What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another week of Texas Sports Unfiltered live from the greatest city in the world, Austin, Texas, USA, America. It is Monday, August 21st, 20 and 23. Bucky and BK taking you live until 10 o'clock this morning. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. Hope everyone is having a great start to their week as well. What's going on, Buck? What's going on, BK? It's a good week to start to have a good week. It's a Monday. It's good to have a good Monday. Why not? I like that a lot. I like that a lot. It's a good Monday for me because this is my first ever Texas Sports Unfiltered show in Austin. I made the move back up over the weekend. I took Friday off. Thanks to Trey for holding it down on Friday with you. Thanks to Kevin for holding it down during the middays with Trey. And we are back in the 512, and I couldn't be more excited, Buck. I'm back home, baby. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. I, I know you you hated giving up that U-Haul of yours. You're a big wheel driving, but <laughs> it's good to have you back, man. I know uh, the stress that can happen when you have to make a move. It doesn't make it matter. It doesn't matter if you're moving across town. Moving is stressful. It is a pain in the rear. And I know you are tired this morning because I know you've been still mm -hmm. moving things around the house, and but you're ready and, and happy to get settled in back in Austin, Texas. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, I was trying to negotiate do some bartering with the folks at U-Haul to see if they would take my Nissan Altima in exchange for the U-Haul that I was driving. I love that thing, man. I feel like the king of the road driving that big 15-foot truck all around the state of Texas. I want yeah, that how many heifers you can get in that big 15-footer? Oh, my God. Load them all up in the trunk of that thing? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Good morning. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cavazas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas. And all those that fight for us each and every day, thank you so much for what you do. It is appreciated. BK could have used the help, but we know that you're up to more serious thing than moving him around parts of the state. So good morning to all you wonderful soldiers out there. Yes, absolutely. How about a good morning from Montana to start off a Monday show? Nice digs, BK, they're saying. Ah, we back. like that. And we've got a lot, to, a lot still to hang up. We've got some big things planned for the studio here, but for now, uh, we are locked and loaded here in the ATX. We've got a jam-packed show today. Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network is going to join us at 9.30 to talk some college football. Bucky, we've got college football this weekend. I know the Horns don't play until next weekend. It's sort of week zero this week, but you've got uh, seven or eight games coming up on Saturday, so we made it, man. The offseason is pretty much over, and college football is upon us, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing, man. I'm very excited about it. It just seemed like a long, long time. You know, and, and it's good to have these preseason NFL games that are going on. And this is a weekend where you didn't get to see as much football as you're used to watching. I mean, your sports watching had to be to a, a little bit of a minimum this weekend with all your moves and everything. Yeah, it was. It was. We got to see enough. And, of course, there was plenty of NFL preseason going on. We'll get to that. We'll recap the Cowboys and the Texans. But there was another scrimmage. For the Texas Longhorns, the second fall scrimmage of the year. Of course, we're now less than two weeks away from kickoff against Rice. 12 days to be exact. Shout out to Colt McCoy. Bucky, we'll start with that. Your biggest takeaways from scrimmage number two for this Texas football team. Well, num one, number one is the fact that Alfred Collins' names continue. His name continues to keep coming up and playing very steady, very consistent football for the Longhorns. Very disruptive uh, in scrimmage number two. And, and the defense itself, Malik Muhammad still making his way. He may be one of the most exciting players that they have right now on this defense. His name continues 
to be minced in each and every scrimmage. Uh, and not only during the scrimmages, during the practices, he's, he's starting to make his way into this lineup. I don't know if he's going to be the starter, but he wants to be a starter. I can tell you that from, from what you hear and the way he's playing. It's been fantastic. And this defense is playing unbelievable football right now against this offense. That's the part that worries me just a little bit. I know defenses seem to have the advantage. I know they do early in, in, in fall practices, but in the second scrimmage, I would expect the offense to start maneuvering its way around, start figuring out some of the weaknesses of their own defense, guys that they know. I, I would think that uh, for success purposes, that the head coach would start attacking certain guys on defense that he thinks he can. He either has a, a hell of a defense or this offense is truly struggling early in – well, it's still kind of early in the camp. I know they got two weeks to go, but, you know, things just kind of – kind of pop for you. You know, there'll be some things that they'll do this week. They'll they'll put the uh, offense in some positions where they'll have some success. Believe me, it's set up. A lot of things get set up. You know, it's not just you play defense, you play offense. These coaches get together and they write scripts together and know what plays can to, can beat and defeat other plays, whether it's offense or defense. Yeah. Believe me, Sark is going to have his, his offense winning some of these little battles that will go back out into the public. You know, whether it's third and shorts or goal line scrimmages, he'll do some things against this defense to make them look good because you want to have confidence as an offense. Right now, they can't have very much confidence because four turnovers in the scrimmage, two interceptions, two fumbles lost, that's not a good thing. Yeah, practice is always tough, right, Buck? Like, everything is a net zero. And it doesn't matter if we're talking spring practice. It doesn't matter if we're talking fall camp. It doesn't matter right. if we're talking about a scrimmage, right? It's always a net zero because – well, if the offense does really well, then you're excited about the offense, but you're worried that your defense might suck. Correct. And vice versa, right? If the defense plays really well, but the offense can't move the football, then it's like, well, our defense is really good, but do we have problems with our offense? So that's the tough part about you know any sort of practice is that it's always kind of a net zero. So I am excited about the defense, right? I am thrilled to hear Alfred Collins' name again because it's not just practice now. We're talking about – actual scrimmages, which is the closest right. thing to a game that you're going to get before we actually get to games. And the fact that in back-to-back scrimmages, big number 95 has stepped up and made plays. And the fact that that guy keeps getting brought up by this coaching staff yes. and by players time and time again, that's a really, really good sign. You brought up Malik Muhammad, true freshman corner. Like it sounds like that guy has elevated himself maybe to the number three corner on this football team behind Ryan Watts and behind Terrence Brooks. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's exciting. I love hearing stories like that. But like you said, on the offense, you hear stories about four turnovers maybe in the game. Like, you're not going to win too many football games this fall with four turnovers. Hell, you're probably not winning any if you have more than two turnovers. So Yeah, I mean, I expect the, this offensive line, this is now an offensive line that was together for a year now going into their second year together. And I would think by this time – of, of fall camp that they would be ready to go and have some dominating parts of the scrimmage, which I'm sure they did. You know, we're not there, so we don't know exactly what went on, but from, you know, from all indications on our insiders that, you know, this defense is still throwing them around, getting things done, getting to the quarterback, putting pressure on the quarterback. So that's a little bit scary. It really is. But when you hear CJ Baxter is still, I mean, he's still, you know, getting some things done himself. He's looking a little bit better with each and every scrimmage. For me, it's for him, it's all about the game. Yeah. It's not about it's not about the, the scrimmages to me with him. It's about when he plays against guys that don't know who he is and don't understand. And if he can electrify the crowd and get some things done and have some really nice runs, I think everything will be okay. I, I think it will. 
but I don't like to hear that this defensive line is still moving this offensive line around. That's, that's kind of scary. Great for the defense, not good for the offense. And turnovers are never good. So. No. Yeah, there was one thing I did like reading about from the scrimmage on Saturday. I think Horns 24-7 had this information. You know, Quinn Ewers bounced back, right? He had a couple of turnovers early in the scrimmage on Saturday. Like you said, that's obviously not good. Everybody knows that. But, you know, last year when Ewers struggled, he just couldn't bounce back, right? Like he would let one mistake snowball into mistake after mistake after mistake. And it's like if he got into a little bit of a rut – whether he just was inaccurate or he turned the football over. It just felt like he couldn't get things back on track and stop the proverbial bleeding. It's good that he apparently, despite the struggles early, which were obviously right. not good, he was able to bounce back and have a really, really strong end to the scrimmage. Like that, that is something that we did not see enough of from Quinn Ewers last year. Over the course of games and over the course of seasons, it just felt like as as things went along and as things started to not go his way, he kind of to fall uh, kind of tended to fall apart. That can't happen if you're trying to win a Big 12 championship. Well, it can't. It, and more than anything, it was his body language last year. He just – shoulders slumped down. He, did, he didn't look like he was into it. it. It looked like it was kind of all about him and my struggles. No, no, Quinn, this is team struggles. When you struggle, the whole team is going to struggle. So he's got to get over that part because he's, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's still a very young quarterback. So you gotta, he's got he's to understand when things don't go well, if he's got a turnover, he's got to come right back and move the team down the field and have something positive happen. I mean, the positive things happen when he makes the positive things happen. He can't be the guy who's always going to end up making the mistakes. Because No matter what, whether it's a fumble by the running back or a fumble by the wide receiver, it always comes back to the quarterback. It's all, always about what the quarterback didn't do. He didn't really move the team. The guy put the ball on the ground. Well, he can't throw it and catch it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those things have to he's have to – he's got to have the body language that shows everybody – He's going to be in it for four quarters, whether they're mistakes made or not. You can always count on him to have that positive attitude. And I, I, I think he will. I, I, I still believe that it's getting towards that time also, BK. They've been slapping each other around for quite a while in this heat. You know, they're getting out there and practicing in these 104, 103 degree temperatures, which it has not let up. This is not Southern California. It's not or Northern California. This is a this is a struggle when you go out there and practice in this, so inside that helmet where it's about 160 degrees, you know, things get a little, you know, you get a little loopy in there. So if you if you make a mistake, one thing he's done, he's doing, he's still hanging in the pocket and he's worked on his footwork a little bit. I don't like to hear the fumbles either. I, I hope that's not quarterback running back exchange. I hope that's mm. somebody on the defense making some good solid hits and guys just not taking care of the ball. That will scare the hell out of you if guys just don't understand how important that football is to them either. Absolutely. Yeah. One more positive from the second scrimmage from fall camp for this Texas football team. Apparently Quinn Ewers hit Xavier Worthy for a 45 yard touchdown pass. And I think of how inconsistent as I ram into my microphone, that had to be an annoying sound for all of you out there. Sorry about that. I think about how inconsistent this passing game was as a whole, but especially the deep game, Buck. I mean, God, it just felt like the deep ball was not a consistent part of this offense at all last year. It felt like as the season progressed, you saw less and less you know, deep passes, those explosive plays, which are so important to keep a defense 
off balance, and to just have that element of the super vertical passing game, like that's huge. You need that to be a successful offense. Obviously, you've got to be able to pick up, you know, a couple of yards here and there when you need to, but you've got to have the ability to take the top off the defense. Texas didn't have that in the passing game last year, especially towards the latter stages of the season. They need that a little bit more. So hearing that, yeah, Ewers and Worthy, who just it felt like their chemistry at times was off last year. The fact that those guys were able to connect on a deep touchdown, that excites me a little bit because we need a lot more of that from that group. Yeah, that's the positive that happened over the course of the scrimmage on Saturday was was the, was the deep throw. But they need deep throws. They need to connect on deep throws throughout a, a four-quartered football game, and they didn't do that. They were very inconsistent with that. I think they forced a lot of deep balls. I think it was so much deep ball first that, you know, that Quinn Ewers just – I thought he believed that he could that his guy would win the 50-50 ball. And a guy running around with a broken hand is not going to win 50-50 balls. A guy with a broken hand probably is not going to catch the ball that hits him dead square in the face, you know, at five yards. If your hand is busted and you're out there. So they they targeted a guy who was all screwed up last year way too much when they had other players out there that they could have targeted, like Jordan Whittington. I mean, I haven't heard enough about Jordan Whittington over the summer, which could be a good thing. All I need for him to do is show up at the games. Because when the games come, that guy's ready to play. It's just a matter of keeping him healthy. And uh, and then all of a sudden, I, I would think Steve Sarkeesian is going to start to target Jordan Whittington during the, Jordan Whittington during the course of games. He likes him. He knows he can get into to areas where he can catch the ball. Not only can he catch, but then he runs like a running back. And they've got other guys, too. They, I mean, they don't just have to fo- focus on, on Xavier Worthy. They can focus on other players, you know, uh, on this football team when it comes. They've got at least five receivers or more. That, can get, that I think are capable of getting some things done for them. And we'll see if they go to that. But the inconsistency of the deep ball, that it was there last year. Hopefully they can get over that part. Hell, I'm just glad they can get the ball off the way it sounds like this defense is coming at them right now. Yeah. And the quarterback hasn't gotten punched in the face yet. Yeah, no kidding. That's a huge takeaway. We probably should have led with that, right? That's the best news stemming from this scrimmage is that there were no major injuries that we have to talk about today. So good news is everybody's healthy, quarterback's healthy, and uh, yeah, obviously it goes without saying. But, but, uh, but Snark is not going to like this, BK. He is not going to like the fact that back-to-back scrimmages, he he hasn't done very much offensively. So he will. they will set things up, you know, in some situational scrimmages but they'll, they'll directly run plays against this defense. They know this defense. They know where some of the weak links are. They were, they're going to have some success before they go into the football season. They're not going to let this go on a note where the defense is dominating. It's going to The defense is going to get their little – they'll get their comeuppance because the head coach and the offensive coordinator will make sure that he calls some plays directed at certain people now. They have to have some success. You can't go into season saying, well, we can't beat that guy. We can't beat that guy. We can't block this guy or that guy. Coaches like to to make it that everybody has success, especially an offensive coach and an offensive play caller. He's mm. not going into the season saying, well, our defense is that good. We'll get better against Rice or we'll get better against Alabama. It doesn't work that way. He wants them to have success. So he'll 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 fix that. They Everyone all gets a trophy, huh? Everyone oh, gets a trophy. Oh, he, they all fix it. It's all fixed. <laughs> yeah. You did talk about the receivers, and I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. At times it did feel like this offense was too reliant on Xavier Worthy last year. And after he broke his hand, his production obviously dipped in the second half of the season, and the offense did the same thing. It's nice having A.D. Mitchell here. It's nice having Isaiah Nahor here. It's nice having Jonte Cook. And, oh, by the way, A.D. Mitchell's 
like the offensive version of Alfred Collins, right? We brought up Alfred Collins earlier, and it just feels like that guy's being mentioned after every sure. practice and every scrimmage on defense. A.D. Mitchell is that guy on offense, so having that dude has been massive. And then Isaiah Nayor apparently had a really, really good day on Saturday too. So, yeah, it's that's nice. Uh, that, that's why we feel like Quinn Ewers is due for a breakout season because of all the weapons he has at his disposal. He's not going to need to force-feed the ball to one guy. He's going to have options. Like, there should be multiple guys open – on just about every play, which uh, I couldn't tell you the last time a Texas offense has had that. But these guys are all capable. You know, the big four plus Jonte Cook, we can yes. call it a big five, a fab five if you want. All of those guys you think are capable of winning one-on-one matchups. And you combine that with Sark's offensive creativity and just his ability and his long track record of being able to scheme guys open, then that makes you feel like, okay, despite the struggles at the scrimmages, uh, this offense still should be really, really good, especially through the air. Yeah, and there's no doubt about through the air. I mean, I, what I didn't hear anything sparkling was about the run game. They didn't dominate the run game. They didn't get enough first downs, obviously, to move the chains, uh, chains with the turnovers that they had. But you got to hear some. There, there's there's got to be some positivity coming out of this camp about how this offensive line is when it comes to the run game. How they can power run. How they can open up holes. How they can sustain double teams. That I, I'd like to hear that before the before they start into a game. And then, like I said, it doesn't matter who it is that you play in the first game because against Rice, expectations will be high. They're supposed to win that game. They should win that game. You know, they'll, they'll be they'll be far more superior than Rice will be on the field and on the coaching staff. So, but against their own players, I need to hear some more positives about this run game and how they run the ball. I don't care whether it's short yardage or goal line situations or just first down runs. They've got to do something on first down runs. They can't have two and three yard first down runs. They've got to be they've got to be able to puncture some defenses. And I like to hear it before they actually start into a game situations that they're doing just that against their own defense. I do too. I a agree. Big, big kudos once again to the defense mm-hmm. because now my expectation is okay. Defense, when you get up there against Rice and you play against this Alabama offense, you're going to be the same. You're going to be able to. Because this offensive line, this is not chump change on the offensive line right now for the University of Texas. They just haven't come together yet uh, in, in, in the fall. Even, you know, you got some young guys going into their second season. That thing will come together. That, that kind of gets together towards the end of fall season and into the games. You know what I mean? And that's why you have a game like Rice the first game. You want a, uh, Alabama first. Right. Thank God for that. And you want a random Rice stat for your cousin? I need that. The Longhorns have won 15 straight against Rice. They are 10-4-1 and against the spread in that stretch. So not only have they owned Rice in terms of just winning the game, but they have also done very, very well for all of your cousins. Very nice. There. So they're 35-point favorites as of right now in that week one game coming up a week from Saturday. And, yeah, hopefully Texas look. Like you said, hopefully the offense is able to look really, really good throughout the rest of fall camp. But hopefully everybody and everything – Looks really good against Rice, and the Longhorns can make that a very, very easy victory so guys can get some rest going into that massive, massive Week 2 matchup in Tuscaloosa. What's uh, what's going on with that? Is that tape on the wall behind you? What are those little blue dots right there? What do you got going on? This is where my shelf is going to go, Will. And, you know, the captain told me I need to get some more things done here in the background. The, the captain, captain, that would be Derek Jeter, the captain, said you need a little bit more – visual presentation here uh for for youtube so i get we're gonna have a shelf right here we're gonna have some little knickknacks on there the captain may go captain's gonna go up here so you can all see what a true captain looks like 
every day. So the captain will be in there somewhere. This isn't like the Astros or the Rangers. We have a real captain with the New York Yankees. <laughs> Even though we stink and are probably in last place, we have a captain. So I love yes. how you say we have a captain as if he's still playing, dude. That guy retired years <laughs> ago. <laughs> he will always be the captain. Yes. But this is, you know, the studs in the wall. My wife has this all planned. Even she noticed that the other day. She goes, Hey, what's that blue tape in the back? I said, that's your blue tape that's up there. Dude, that tape is about as straight as Richard Simmons. <laughs> like, if you put if you put Jeter on that thing, he's gonna slide right, right off, off and that. break. What is the deal? I'm just we're just figuring out where the studs are. Don't worry about how straight it is. Everything will be just fine. I can't wait to see some of the stuff in your background. This should mm. be you know what? I'm gonna bring my St. Louis Blues hockey jersey and lay that bad boy right here. Don't do that. I you know what I would lay back here? If I had it, my Bobby Orr jersey, but uh, that's gone. That went in my divorce years and years and years ago. Oh. Never to see that again. Signed signature Bobby Orr jersey to the buck. Gone. Did you try to get that back? No, you you can't get those things back. Once once they're gone, they're gone. I mean, gone. Can't that's buy it off like of her? No, I can't even buy. That's gone. <laughs> that went in some garage sale for like seven dollars. Oh, that one hurts. But you know, what I do have. Hurts. You know what I do have on a shelf over here? A originally signed Rio Don ball by Ricky Williams. Remember when he changed his name to Rio Don? Is the signature actually Rio Don? Yes, it's Rio Don. I have no that. way. Yeah, that's going right up there. I have Dude. one of. The, I have one of those. He signed twenty-five of those balls. I have one of them. Oh man, that's worth something. That thing isn't worth shit. Are you yeah. kidding me? Oh, that man. people watching us? Ricky. Huh? To people watching us? They'd love that shit. they love that? Oh, man. We can always put, hey, we can always put that Rio Don up for auction. That signed ball that's just Rio Don on it, really. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. All right, Buck. Let's, uh, you talked about my studio and some of the things that we have coming. I'll tell you what. AV Consultations is coming by this week to uh, to take a look at things, to get the TV setup done in my living room, but they also might take care of some things in the studio as well. But I know you know about AV consultations because they've already been to your place and hooked you up. I watched some of the I watched some of the great golf that went on this weekend up in Chicago on AV consultations. Thanks to Tom McCain and his wonderful staff. I also got a chance to see some of that women's World Cup finals with Spain and England. That's right. I was there I was here watching it right here on my <laughs> my big screen, 85-inch TV, and you can too because Tom and his group, they've got everything that you need. You don't have to go out and buy mounts and buy TVs. Tom's got all the great LG TVs just for you in all sizes. And if you're thinking about a theater, well, Tom can get a theater put right in your home. There's no doubt about it. AB Consultation is one of the largest dealers of most televisions and audio brands, and they have all the hottest items in stock. You don't have to run around, and you don't have to wait six or seven weeks before your stuff comes in. Tom's got it right there. And, folks, they've got all those Sonos, Sonos audio equipment just for you. And while you're at it, they're not going to raise prices on you. A bunch of folks who've got the Sonos, well, they're raising prices because they're kind of hard to get. Not for Tom. He's got a bunch of that stuff in stock just for you. Audiovisual consultations, 512-255-8678. Or catch them online at abconsultations.com. Absolutely. They're coming to see you today, aren't they, to get some things done? Yep, they are. They are. Very much looking four forward screens to it. again, or are you just going one big screen with four blocks? Oh, we're going four big screens in the living room. That's a must. That is a staple of wherever BK lives. Got to have four screens in a box 
Now we're up to 65-inch TVs. We're not messing around. We're not missing anything on Texas Sports Unfiltered, okay? You're going to have also, you've got, uh, obviously, you're going to have to have the NFL packages now on YouTube, correct? Yeah. YouTube TV. So I've got, you got to get ready for the NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube. Well, you got to pay extra for that. You do know that. Well, right? I know that. I understand that. Yeah. People were hoping that once they announced that NFL Sunday ticket was going to YouTube TV, it was like, oh, I already pay for YouTube TV. That's oh, they they had it. I know. And they're like, nope, that's going to be an extra 300 bucks. Sorry about that. That's guy. just wrong, too. I've got YouTube. That's the first thing I thought. Hey, I got YouTube. So I've got this Sunday. No, not so fast, my friend. No, not, not so easy, fast, no. my friend. Hey, and if you're looking for tickets to any game this football season, check out our friends at SendTextTickets.com. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see the Longhorns take on the Rice Owls. Yes, the season opener coming up a week from Saturday. We're going to have a pair of tickets that we are going to give away right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. So make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for your chance to win and hey, you can get tickets to every Longhorn game, to every AM game, Texas Tech game, whoever you support. They've got every school on site at sendtextickets.com. And of course, Buck, not just college football, they've got the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, the NBA, whatever. Tickets are 100% guaranteed all of the time right there at sendtextickets.com. Don't forget those F1 tickets coming up at F1 October. Tickets. We'll roll around here in a hurry. And the big game, Texas OU. Up in Dallas, it is going to be something very special on the way out of the Big 12. Everybody's excited about that. There's no, there's no doubt about that game. And it'll mean, it will mean something early in the football season in the Big 12, and it'll mean something late. Because this is, I would love to see these two teams, BK, play in the championship game on the way out. Oh. Shutting the door, slamming the door on the Big 12 as they leave. This would be just special to me. I, I know that a lot of people don't want anything good to happen for – University of Oklahoma. I wanted to have I want those two to be playing for a championship up in Arlington, Texas at the end of this football season. Well, you know the Big 12 is going to do whatever it can to make sure that that doesn't happen, right? They got to have one of them. Don't they want one of them? What do they want? Kansas State playing Texas Tech? That's, That's what, what they, they want. want. Yep, because they, they want to they want Houston in their first inaugural Big 12. They're they're they don't want Houston in it. Well, they'd rather have Houston than Texas or Oklahoma. That's for damn sure. Like, they want to send a message to the rest of the country that we're fine without Texas and OU. Matter of fact, we're better off without those two schools. And the best way to do that is to make sure that neither of those teams are in the conference championship in their final year. Now, well, Texas they, and they Oklahoma. More penalties than they did last year on Texas. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, I think there was a combined one offensive holding penalty called on a Texas or Oklahoma opponent last year throughout conference play. One combined between the two schools. It's like last year. It wasn't even Texas and Oklahoma's last year in the Big 12, but obviously the decision had been made. The announcement was out there. Everybody knew what was going on, and it already felt like there was a directive coming from the league office to basically say, hey, screw Texas and OU whenever you get the chance. If you thought it was bad last year, yeah, watch out. It's probably going to be even worse. I mean, you think, I think of the Charlie Strong versus Oklahoma State game a few years ago. Oh, the phantom the, calls. The phantom calls, the 15-16 penalties, the one where the ref bumped into Charlie Strong on purpose and threw a flag on him, the defensive hold on a run play, like all that BS. Like, I'm thinking we're going to get that throughout every conference game this year, and that scares the hell out of me. Well, it, it, it's, it it'll be exciting. But as I said, you, one thing you can't you can't turn the ball over. 
for this Texas team, you can't be giving the other team the ball. Just you can't gift them the ball because I think it will be hard enough this year on the way out. I agree with you. The, the calls last year were ridiculous calls, <laughs> and it will be worse this year. You know, that's just human nature is let's just screw them on their way out. They screwed us. I mean, and that comes from the – I don't want to say that about the refs. That, I mean, that that's directive maybe from the head people of the Big 12, but I don't want to get on individual refs about how they call the game. It is mm. their paycheck too. Well, it is their paycheck because they're all betting on the game. So come on, man. <laughs> come on. You got a bunch of Tim Donahue's running around come out on, there. Man. Come on, I'm some of them. Honest. You know, some of them are calling their cousins before the game, and no, like, they won't. They won't do that. They get they get a little nudged by maybe the conference, the officials, the the head people on up top. But I don't think individuals are going to call their cousins. No, I'm not going to go that far yet. Mm. We'll see. We'll see how that we'll see how that works when they're playing against Tech and TCU and hoping Sonny Dykes tries to have that second year round kind of deal. No, I don't think so. Okay. I'll bet you that there are refs betting on these games. That's how good I feel about this. What is this, Iowa? <laughs> are they even gonna have enough players to play this year? Like what happens when Texas goes to Iowa State? Are they gonna have anybody on their team? Or are they all gonna be kicked off from gambling too much? How dumb is that? How did how did you think you're not gonna get caught? I don't know, man. What do you think people don't talk? They're are college they students? kids. Students don't talk. Yeah. The, guy who, the guy who's running the ring there isn't gonna say anything about the football players gambling or sending things in. I know if if uh, the NCAA really wanted to investigate, and we know how little they like to work, so they're not going to do this. They could find so many instances of college athletes in every sport, not just football. Oh yeah, no doubt. Betting a ton of money on college sports. You know, like that's that's what I did when I was a college kid. They're college kids, and they don't make a lot of money. Obviously, before NIL, they didn't make any legal money. Some of them they obviously were making money. Tuition and books and things like yeah. that. Yeah. They need that. No, it's, it's beer money. If they're on scholarship, they're good on that. But they want that beer money and uh, that food money so they can cash in all the time. But, oh, man. All right, let's uh, let's shift gears, Buck. Let's talk some NFL preseason. We'll obviously get back into the Longhorn conversation. More takeaways and news notes and nuggets from the fall scrimmage that took place over the weekend. We also have some best bets for the Big 12 Conference that we're going to get into from our friends at ESPN. But the Cowboys played their second preseason game over the weekend. They lost to Seattle. The Texans played their second preseason game over the weekend. They lost to the Dolphins. We'll start with the local teams here in the state of Texas, and then we'll branch out and get to some of the other big storylines from around the league. But uh, Cowboys and Texans, your big takeaways from week two of the preseason. Well, for for the Cowboys, I mean, I'm I'm looking for more from the run game. And, I mean, they're letting – they're letting I me mean, without Tony Pollard playing, which you're not going to see Tony Pollard. It doesn't look like you're going to see him at all. Uh, with, with, with their run game, my expectations are they're going to come downhill and run really, really hard at you. They let a little bit of everybody play. If Pollard's not playing, they had three guys play at the running pack position. But I think they only had a total of like 30, 40 yards total in the game running the football, which, which surprised me. I think Mike, Mike McCarthy, he does want to see what he can – I don't know why he wants to see Will Greer. I don't know what it – I know because he's the third quarterback and you're not going to play. You know, Dak Prescott's not getting in there. He didn't even dress up. I think he just had a jersey on with no shoulder pads Mm -hmm. walking around. But, you know, Will Greer, I've seen enough of Will Greer to know that he's a number three. He'll stay a number three. He'll always be number three. You know, I'm not saying don't fight, kid. Don't fight to be number two or number one. You're in the NFL. You made already made it a lot further than I ever made it. 
So you just keep on fighting. But he's going to be a three forever. He's going to be a clipboard guy. And I don't need to see a lot of him. But they have nobody else. I mean, they, they had Rush. And, and that's what you get in these preseason games. You get a bunch of guys that hopefully won't play. But Rush now will be in there because there'll, there'll be some time that Dak Prescott will come up with a hammy or limped up or something that he gets in. And Cooper Rush can play. We know that. We've seen what he's done yeah. as a starter. But to actually have to, to suffer through Will Greer for me, no, and their run game is abysmal right now. You know, they just yeah. got Zach Martin just came back last week. I don't know if they, they've got it cranked up. But they seem to want to throw the ball an awful lot. And for a guy who's talking about running it, it seemed like they were throwing the ball way too much for me for a group that really wants to run the football. Well, you but, nobody wants to, but you guess what? Once again, do your fans want to see you running the football in a preseason game? Don't they want to see the ball aired out? They want to see the wide receivers catch ball. They want to see big plays. They don't want to see you turn around and hand it off. And you get a, and you get a lot of that because you still have to run the ball in the NFL, I believe. Uh, I'd rather see Deuce Vaughn than Will Greer. You know? Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but you said it. The Cowboys just couldn't run the ball that effectively on Saturday. 26 carries for 94 yards. Deuce Vaughn was kind of held in check. He had one really, really nice run yeah. of 14 yards where he made a couple of guys miss. But you know, for the most part, he was pretty limited and just the Cowboys run game as a whole was limited. Hell, the Cowboys offense as a whole couldn't get a lot going no. against the Seahawks on Saturday. So and that Seahawks defense is pretty good. That yeah. they played pretty well on defense last year. They're they're just they're trying to get a little bit better every year to help out what they've got offensively because you know they've gone into they they've they've gone into the draft. They've gone into free agency and gotten some guys on offense. But what they want to do is they want to try to get back to the Legion of Boom somehow. You know, in Pete Carroll's final couple of years in Seattle. So Yep. It's good to see their defense play well. Yeah, for sure. And if Will Greer has to play in the regular season, the Cowboys season is over, right? Yeah. Like, obviously, he can play in the preseason, but if that dude gets any run during the regular season, that means something happened to Dak and something happened to Cooper Rush. Right. If any team, I mean, I guess San Francisco last year, somehow, some way with Brock Purdy as their third string quarterback, they found a way. But for most teams, if you have to go all the way down to your third quarterback, hell, for a yep. lot of teams, it's if you have to play your backup quarterback for a couple of games, your season might be down the drain. But if you've got to go to QB three, then you're in uh, some serious, serious trouble. So, yeah, yeah I expect that he's playing right now, but he, he yeah. can't play when the games actually count. Yeah, I expect that, that they will start to hone in a little bit on the offensive run game there. They're just a smattering. I mean, they ran the ball, like you said, 26 times. And really, this is, this is a group that's going to have to run the ball better, and they will with Tony Pollard back there carrying the football. But, boy, I'd love to see him. And I, but I don't think we are, BK. I really don't think we're going to see him in any of these preseason games. Yeah. You know, why would you do it? Why would you then get past the second preseason game and start messing around bringing Tony Pollard in the third it's like, no thanks. Don't yeah. do it. If you're going to get there and try to say, well, we'll give him two series late, why do it? Yeah. Well, I'll, just, I'll just run him in this, I'll just run him at practice more. Yeah. Nobody really plays in the third preseason game anymore, right? Like no. that used to be when there were four preseason games, week three was when everybody played Absolutely. at least a little bit. Uh, now, because week three is the last preseason game, uh, sure. you don't see anybody play. And unfortunately, right. go ahead. I, I'd, love, I'd love to see him because I, once again, I don't get the chance to go to practice. You know, we don't hear enough from, from where they were in California. Now they're back, you know, out in Frisco doing their thing. It's just, God, it's tough. It's tough for me to, to, to see the way he went off, the way he, he limped around after that, after he broke his foot, to come back in the game without seeing a little bit in the scrimmages. Man, he looks good. So you and I can say, well, he looks good. He's making some nice cuts. 
Now he may be doing that, but it's not against those other dudes, you know? Yep. They don't I, hit him here. They don't hit him. They don't hit him when he's running through the line here. You know, nobody's arm goes out or a leg goes out or somebody steps on that foot. I, I, I wish I could get a little bit of preseason stuff with him, but we're not going to get it. That's not going to happen. So you can forget about that. It's agreed. Like, yeah, I, I don't even know if you're going to see Dak. No, I don't think, I don't think you will. I'm on putting him in there either. No, no, I wish you'd see both of those guys, but obviously I understand why you don't. Injuries pop up every year. You're seeing a lot of teams cancel joint practices too this week because oh, a few yeah. guys were getting hurt at those last week. So yeah, guys out of control. Yep. Most teams are doing, guys yep. trying to make the team, you know. Yep. So that, that was tough. I, but what we did see out of the NFL this week, we saw a lot of quarterbacks like Tua came back taking hits. I mean, there were quarterbacks getting popped. Mac Jones got popped. I mean, they, they were getting up. They were, they were bouncing back up. But the guys on defense were going after some of these starting quarterbacks like there was no tomorrow. And yeah. it was good to see your guy, C.J. Stroud, hanging there this week, too. He looked like a quarterback that was in his second preseason game. He looked a lot better. He looked a lot more poised. And I, I, what is he? He just threw like five or six passes. He didn't throw a lot of passes, I don't believe. But he, but he looked like a guy who was controlling the offense a little bit better. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he, he looked significantly better than he did against the Patriots. Now oh, yeah. he only threw he only threw four passes against New England. He only got a couple of series in that Week One game up in Foxborough. But no, he got to play the first half for uh, for the Texans. He played both quarters in the first half, and he looked a lot better. Now the Texans only scored three points, but uh, no, it was a night and day difference in sure. Week Two for CJ Stroud versus what was going on. He was handling the team. Yeah. Well, he was accurate. I mean, he wasn't making awful decisions. Like he took a in in two series last week, he took a horrible sack and he threw an awful interception. Right. And he he wasn't doing that type of stuff on Saturday. Like he was showing off his accuracy, which we saw that for a couple of years at Ohio State. Right. He was maybe the most accurate quarterback in college football the last couple of seasons. He didn't look that way in week one against the Patriots, but the accuracy was on point. I mean, he was throwing darts out there. When he was on the run, he was placing balls to receivers near the sidelines, right outside of defenders, outstretched arms. Like He looked way more comfortable back there, and the results were obviously a lot better. So, yeah, it was a big, big step in the right direction for C.J. Stroud. And Texans fans, I think, feel a lot better about that guy starting week one i know the texans haven't made that announcement yet but i think everybody expects him to be the week one starter when they go to baltimore to take on the ravens Uh, i think people feel a lot better about cj stroud getting those reps because of the way he played on saturday i'll tell you this though i like that miami team i mean even the the second and third string guys they put in the game on saturday i i like that team that team is going to be good if tua can stay upright they are going to be hard to beat when he lets the ball loose on time man he's he, his his accuracy is really really good, and as I said, he took he took two hits. He took one right to the kisser, and I'm going, uh oh, let's just see if the bird starts, you know, swirling around his head. But he got right back up. You know, he went to fall school and jujitsu uh, school, and he looks good. I mean, he's got. I mean, he had a short sleeve shirt on, showed a little bit of guns. Looks like he more weighs more than a buck sixty. I mean, he he was good. He was good, and that team's fate is is on his arm. And how he and how he and Coach McDaniel's how they throw the, the ball and the timings with the great receivers that they have, but they look good on defense too. That's a good defensive team. Yeah, they held the Texans to three points on Saturday, and obviously well, you and I can hold the Texans to three. <laughs> or you and I can hold them to at least to fourteen. 
Oh, man. Uh, you thought about fall school for you? You ever consider doing something like that? Because I know you've fallen a couple of times. I'm the one who has to camp. I'm the guy who falls. I don't fall any longer because I know how to fall. I know when I start to go what to do. But I haven't gone down in months. It's been a while. It's probably been a while. I mean, probably way before I got ousted at that joint that I was working at. You know what I mean? When they ousted me in my in my shorts and flip-flops and stuff. Yeah, I um I haven't fallen lately. I I'm picking up my feet. I'm learning some things of things about you can't shuffle your feet, old man. You got to lift your feet to mm. walk, make a step. That's why they call it taking steps. They don't say taking shuffles. They say taking steps. Shuffle is some stuff you do as a defensive back. But no, 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 I haven't fallen, but I know how to fall. And for you folks out there that are struggling with falling down and breaking hips and elbows and stuff, you need to come to my fall camp like Tua did. It'll teach you how to fall, which means your head can't be a part of it. The first thing you have to think about when you're falling is your arms. You don't stick your arms out. You don't try to break a fall at 68 years old. You don't stick an arm out there. No, no, no. You can go ahead and you can you can hit a shoulder. You can hit the back of your shoulder, BK. It's okay to hit the back of your shoulder and then land on one of your butt cheeks. Do not okay. land on your hip alone. Just You can't fall and just land on your hip, like your hip bone. You got to make sure that that you got to work on that butt cheek, those maximus gluteus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Arius maximus. You have to make sure that that thing is ready to take a hit. Your shoulder, the back of your shoulder, not the the bone or the top part. You don't want to dislocate anything. And you want to stick your arms out because for you guys that are 68, 70 years old or in your late 50s, most of your arms are penciled arms. They're not like they're not gunned up like this. You know what I'm saying? It's not gunned up like that. So there's nothing there, but. You sure? Okay. I wore an extra small shirt today. Yeah. High school. You, you need a you need a smaller shirt for uh, people to see any muscles on you, man. But you got to learn how to fall. You should always know how to fall. And your head should be the number one thing. Your arms sticking out, unless you're an athlete. I mean, you can I mean you can trip and start making that and bounce back up. I can't, I'm not gonna bounce back up. If I stick my arm down, you're gonna hear something snap. So I just go with the flow. What happens if you're falling forward, though? Because you're talking about falling on your rear end. What happens if you're falling forward? What do you do there? I don't ever. While I'm in the air, I can contort my body to land on my side. I have, <laughs> not, fallen, I have not fallen forward on my face in forever. I learned how to do that as a wide receiver because I knew you couldn't land on a point of your shoulder and you couldn't fall on your, on your chest making. Even, even when you're making straight-up catches like this, you have to be able to turn to the side and land sideways. That way you don't hurt yourself. Mm. And, I, and I also taught a young wide receiver at Dartmouth College named David Shula. That's right, the son of the late, great Don Shuler as a wide receiver. How to – I mean, I watched him do that. He was spectacular. He would like – he'd make diving catches all the time, BK. He never landed on his stomach. or his, He always landed on his back like a cat. So I've been working that deal. Huh. And I can work that, and I can work that for you. Yeah, is that your pitch to try to get me to go to fall school? I don't need fall school, man. I'm fine. I've got uh, a few decades before I have to worry about that stuff. Yeah, you, you shouldn't need that stuff. But it's good I mean, to know if Tua stays healthy this year. Street, like if you're tripping down on 6th Street, kind of <laughs> get over a curb and you start to fall, just get sideways. Don't, And also make sure that your head, your head isn't going down. Your head has to be thrown away from the fall. This, this melon right here, it's very, very soft. There's not a lot to it. Not a lot in there. No, there's I not. Afford to have it. I can't afford to have it slam onto the ground. <laughs> no, no, you no. can't. 
Oh man, I think I fell down the stairs one time at a bar on Sixth Street. Didn't down go all the, the way like down all the way. Didn't go all the way down, but went about halfway down, and it hurt like shit, dude. Dude, obviously you're still. Nah, you're not a professional drinker either. I'm. I I was a professional drinker. Yeah. But you're you're just like a semi-pro, so be careful there. Yeah. Falling yeah, down steps. Steps don't give. Steps don't give at at all. No. They still say the same when you when you fall on that one step and you go to the next one. The one you fell on before is always going to be the same. There's no dents, no nothing. Mm-hmm. You got to be careful with that. Yeah, talking about the preseason a little bit. We did mention this. We should have mentioned this when talking about the Cowboys. Uh, prayers up to Demarvion Overshone, who tore yeah. his ACL in that game in Seattle on Saturday. You know, the, the hit was fine, but something happened like as he was trying to get up or as he was rolling over after the tackle and he reached for the knee immediately. Uh, there was some video of Overshone walking after the game without crutches, without a cast, and you're thinking, okay, maybe this isn't that serious, but uh, they confirmed it yesterday. It is a torn ACL for the third-round pick, of course, out of the University of Texas. Bucky, Overshone was having a really, really good camp. He, he was. was making some plays in the preseason games, and I don't know if he would have been a starter for this Dallas defense, but he would have been a factor for this Dallas defense this year. That is a big, big loss for them, and obviously Overshone's going to miss the entirety of his rookie season. Yeah, that's too bad for him. You know, young kid going going to the Dallas Cowboys, he's so excited about playing for him, And then just uh, uh, just a freak maneuver. A lot of these things don't happen on contact. A lot of those things happen kind of on air. You make a, a wrong twist while you're in a pile. Somebody, somebody then lays on that leg, and you turn real quick to get up or whatever, and bang, there it goes. And then that's too bad. I mean, he was playing really, really well for them. It's not like everything was coming out of that camp was coming out very positive about the way he was playing. Yeah, that's too bad. Well, he'll rehab it and be right back. Yep, he's been taken to Twitter saying he's blessed, saying he's okay. But uh, yeah, you feel for the kid who obviously has worked his whole life to get to this point. And that was obviously a problem for his first few years in Austin, right? He yeah. just he couldn't stay on the field. He was labeled as an injury prone player for a while during his college career was able to stay healthy his last couple of years on the 40 acres, obviously put together a tremendous 2022 season, which is why he got drafted in the third round by the Cowboys in the first place. Uh, and yeah, it felt like he was kind of coming into his own as just a really versatile piece. And he thought about, you know, Dan Quinn with the great defensive mind that runs the show in Dallas, getting to work with a talent like DeMarvion Overshone. you're thinking, all right, like this dude, this year, but especially down the road, can be a special player in the NFL. That's obviously still possible. We see guys yes. come back from torn ACLs and have a ton of success all of the time now in sports. But uh, it's a huge bummer that we won't get to see it in 2023. Well, they needed it for depth, too, because we know Leighton Van Der Esch, what happens to him during the course of a season. There's always a time where that neck's going to show up or he's going to do something to his back where he misses a few games. Knock on wood that it doesn't happen because I think he's he's really turned out to be a really good pick for the Dallas Cowboys. Van Der Esch, I think he's he's turned out to be a really good player in what they do, especially in this defense where he can run and he can go sideline to sideline. Plus, he's gotten so much better against the run. Uh, when he's not in the game against the run, the Cowboys are, aren't very good when, when Van Der Esch doesn't play. When he's sideline and teams start really coming at them, they struggle. He has really gotten himself to the point of he's a pretty good linebacker, whether it's rushing from the outside. I mean, he, he's okay from the outside. But he's played really well inside. He played really well last year. But he has to stay on the field. And that was their security blanket, you know, to have overshone because he's very similar. Tall, big, tall guy that can run like that and is physical. That hurts them depth-wise. 
Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Any other big takeaways from week two of the NFL preseason for you? Well, I, as I said, I, I just I just watch these defenses get out to some of the offenses. I watch a lot of quarterbacks taking hits. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm liking still what I see with the Saints. I think the Saints have a chance if they can run the ball, if they got anybody to run the ball. Because the Saints' defense is pretty salty. But offensively, they just they're gonna have to be able, they're gonna have to be able to run. They really, really are. And if if they can run in the division they're in, they can win that division. They really can. Yeah. That division is up for grabs. Oh, that division sucks. It's the worst division in football, and it's not even close. Okay, I mean, it's yeah, more than up for grabs. It just is it sucks. It's yeah, hard. I mean, Derek Carr is a slightly above average quarterback in this league. And he is by far and away the best quarterback in the yes. NFC South, right? I mean, you've got Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask in Tampa Bay. You've I got, saw some of that. That was not good to watch. No, no. They they might be the worst team in football this year. You've got uh, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta getting the opportunity. But, not saying very much about him. No, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. We don't know. And then you've got Bryce Young, the rookie who has not looked very good in the preseason no. to this point. It's the preseason. He's a rookie. We talked about it with C.J. Stroud. There are going to be growing pains for anybody transitioning from Saturdays to Sundays. But, yeah, Derek Carr is by far and away the best quarterback in that division. So you've got the best QB in the division. You've got a chance to win the division. And for the Saints sure. are the favorite, and they should be the favorite. They could win that division at 8-9 and nine this year, Buck. Like, yeah. I think they'll be better than that. I think they'll probably win 10 games because they do have a pretty talented roster and if Derek Carr is able to stay upright, which he usually is, right? That guy's usually healthy. Uh, then yeah, they'll they'll find a way to win that division. Probably win double digit games, but I don't think they're on the level of Philly. I don't think they're on no. the level of San Francisco. I don't think they're on the level of Dallas right now. So I think maybe that you know that second or third tier in the NFC. That's where New Orleans is. They'll probably make the playoffs this year. It'd be a huge disappointment if they didn't, and they'd have to make a change at head coach if they don't. Because, uh, yeah, they, they should run away with that god-awful division. But I don't know if they're a legitimate contender, even in the NFC. Well, I, the, I, I, I did see the Giants play, and I, I like what I'm seeing from the Giants. I think they're you – know, now they have Darren Waller to help out their quarterback. This is – I mean, I, I always want to count Darren Waller as like a big wide receiver more than the tight end. He is so physical. If he can stay healthy, he's one of the best in the game. He really is. And when it, when it comes to tight end play, he's, he's one of the top three or four tight ends in football when he's healthy. And over the last couple of years with the Raiders, we haven't seen very much. When he first came into the league, he could do it all. And he looks like he's gotten back to that point maybe with, with Daniel Jones and the Giants. They go to him. He looks weird in the number 12, though. Just for yeah. a tight end, that's, that's a weird number, isn't it? Yeah, they've uh, they changed the jersey rules a couple of years ago. So you've got, you know, linebackers wearing single-digit numbers and tight ends wearing 12. And it's taken some time to get used to. Obviously, they have that in college football, right? Like you can wear yes. whatever number you want. But, uh, yeah, in the NFL, they made the rule change a couple of years ago just to give guys a little bit more freedom. Uh, yeah, because that's, you know, that's what NFL players really want. They wanted jersey changes, not guaranteed contracts. Uh, but, yeah, so it's it, it's taken some time getting used to. And Darren Waller, you're right. I mean, when he was healthy, he was one of the best tight ends in football. Like that guy is a pass-catching weapon, and he's a mismatch, a mismatch of epic proportions for opposing defenses. Absolutely. The problem is you just can't stay healthy. And, and him and the Giants are a bad combination because it feels like every year every Giants pass catcher gets hurt by like week three. It would be and, like Sterling Shepard who's been 
hurt since the day he got there. Exactly. Like literally insert player here. It feels like they're always hurt by the end of the first month of the season if they're a receiver slash tight end for the Giants. And now you get Darren Waller, who it feels like is always hurt by the end of the first month of the season, who's on that team. So, yeah, I mean, they, they tried. They're trying to bring in more weapons for Daniel Jones, who's obviously coming off of his best year in the NFL. And the Giants have playoff aspirations after making it to the postseason sure. last year and winning a playoff game against your Minnesota Vikings. Nice hat there, Buck. Uh, they they expect to be pretty good this year. And, yeah, if Darren Waller can stay healthy, we know what he's capable of. I just don't know if you can bank on that dude staying on the field. And I also saw Zach Wilson in a game. Wow, for the Jets. Uh, how'd he play? I missed that one. He was okay. He was okay. He made a couple. He made a couple plays. The Jets are, you know, that division is going to be very, very interesting with Miami and the Jets and New England. To me, New England will always be in games because of the head coach, because of his defense. He will always find ways to get turnovers. I mean, ask the Texans. That that's what made that kid look so bad last last week. C.J. Stroud looked bad because of Bill Belichick's defense. They are good on defense. They're solid. They understand the defense. Whoever plays for Bill Belichick understands that he puts you in a position to have things to have success. He's not going to push you in there, put you in there on defense if you can't do it. He's not going to ask you to do something that you can't do. That's what I like about the way he coaches. He's going to work to what your your strengths are and not what your weaknesses are. He'll work it, and his defenses are always good. They were good last year. I mean, they were one of the leaders in the NFL in defense last year. Their offense stank, but yeah. defensively, they're always going to be pretty good. So. They can keep you in games, but if the offense for the New England Patriots is just hump, I don't know what they're going to do. I just don't know. I, I think it if they win only seven or eight games, I think that's the end of Bill Belichick. I do. Mm. I think what do you mean? I, you don't think the offense is going to be good? They got Bill O'Brien running the show now. If, the, if they win eight games or nine, <laughs> they're going to have to win nine games, ten games, aren't they? I, I, yeah, more, than, I mean, more than that. I think to make the playoffs in the AFC, you have to get to at least 10 wins. Yeah, and and right. to me, this is one of those years where I'm not sure 10 is going to be enough, right? Like we've, we've seen years, speaking of the Patriots, uh, the year Tom Brady tore his ACL and Matt Castle had to quarterback the team. I think it was 07. Uh, they won 11 games and didn't make the playoffs. Like even though the playoffs are bigger now than they were then, I, I still feel like you're going to need double-digit wins at minimum to make it in the AFC. NFC may be a different story. But if you're trying to get a wild card spot in the AFC with just how many good teams and good quarterbacks there are in that conference, dude, double digit wins feels uh, pretty imperative. And well, you're not winning. You're not winning that division with eight or nine wins. The AFC like, East might be the best division of football this year. Well, sure, you're not gonna you're not gonna overwhelm like you used to over the last decade. Teams like Buffalo, Miami used to crush the Jets twice a year, and every once in a while the Jets would split with you in New England. You're you're not oh, you're not running rough shot over those teams any longer. That's that's not going to happen. Including Miami, Miami was better than you were. Miami will be better than they are this year again. And yeah. Buffalo, I think people tend to think Buffalo is just going to disappear. Not with the quarterback, they won't. I know Brian Dayball is gone, and they took a little step back offensively. But they're going to be they're still going to be pretty doggone good in Buffalo. What are the, what, the, what are the Jets going to be? What is Aaron Rodgers and the Jets? They're going to play pretty good defense with the New York. Football, J E T E, Jets, Jets, Jets. They're gonna, they're still gonna play pretty good defense. I've got to believe, and offensively, as you said, I mean, they'll start getting things going too. Aaron Rodgers is not going in there to be a piece of crap. They're gonna, they're gonna build around him over the next two years because he'll, he'll spend two and then he'll be out and barking about how he needs to get away 
from the East Coast and the New York City people. He won't <laughs> he won't take them very long. He'll he'll no. survive year number one, but going into year number two, it'll be too much for him to handle. But he's gonna pull a Brett Favre and oh, try to go play for Minnesota crying and crying for I don't know Hollywood or or whatever. He's got to go save the people in Hawaii or something. He's he's weird. He's he'll he'll come up with something. Is he, right. he going to follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre, go play in Minnesota, and then send a bunch of D-picks to people and then go steal money from the poor and give it to the rich? Is that oh, yeah, is he yeah, do yeah, all of do that, that stuff? Yeah, he's into that stuff. He'll do it for some volleyball team or something. Who knows? Oh. Yeah, I, I, that division is going to be so interesting itself. And I believe for the New England Patriots, this could be it for Bill Belichick. If they, if they just have a total flop, you know, I think they're going to be a problem. And the only thing he's going to save him is Bill Belichick and his defense. Because yep. offensively, I don't see anything that tells me that they're going to all of a sudden turn things around and be good on offense. But I know the defense will be there. They'll be in every game because of that defense. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, you can never count out a Bill Belichick no. coach team. I mean, they're expected to finish last in that division, and I'd probably pick them to finish last in that division, just considering how good Buffalo is, how good the Dolphins are, how good the Jets are. You just look at on-paper talent, and it's, it's clear New England is fourth in yes. terms of uh, personnel this year. But because they've got that coach, uh, you can never completely count them out and assume no. that they've got no shot to make something happen this year. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I do have one PSA about the NFL preseason, and it's really about the NFL in general, Buck. We got to get rid of ties, man. We can't have ties, okay? We had two wait, wait, ties. You your cousin doesn't get paid in the preseason for that? No. No, uh, I'm not on, betting man. on ties in the NFL, okay? I need a winner. I'm Mike Singletary. I want winners, okay? We can't have No ties. soccer guy. We don't. Preseason, regular a, season, we can't have ties. That is BS, dude. We don't need another play in the preseason. If it, if it ends 18-18, go on the bus, get yourself some – get some orange slices and go home, go back, to the, go back to the hotel. We'll play another preseason game or we'll get ready for the regular season. There's no reason to play another down at, at the fourth quarter when it's 18 to 18 or 12 to 12. I don't know. Don't even no put reason. the scrubs in there. I don't want the scrubs in there. I don't want anybody to get hurt. No reason. I've got money on this. No, that's your, that's your only on. reason. There are that's millions, the only reason. millions of people out there have money on these games, okay? All, All right, right Iowa. Fans. We need the fan experience here, okay? Hook us up, please. Give All me right, a kicking Hawkeye. contest or something. Like you don't have to actually play. Just do a kicking contest. Put the idiot kickers out there on the field and just play a game of horse or something like that. Give me a winner, please. Just on-air throws to the wide receivers who can hit the bomb. Whatever. Give me something. I can't do these I, ties. I, I don't. I don't mind them. They don't. They don't. They don't hurt me. Uh, I don't mess right. with preseason games either. If I wanted to mess with preseason football, I'd be betting on the WNBA. I mean, really underrated. No. Come on. <laughs> take the Liberty and take the Aces, man. Uh, Those are the two teams. They don't mess around. And, yes, Brittany Griner will be the comeback player of the year. Guaranteed. I put that at 90% before the season began. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm higher now. Maybe 95% she will be the comeback player of the year in the WNBA. Because yeah, there is isn't another comeback player. Can you name another player in the WNBA? No. Sauce, <laughs> Sauce Gardner. <laughs> oh god all right coming up coming up on the top of the hour right now give some love to some more 
of our great sponsors here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. How about the Altstadt Brewery? Altstadt Beer, it's German beer made here. The best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. That's right. If you're listening and watching in Houston or Dallas or San Antonio, you could still enjoy some Altstadt beer. They've got it wherever you shop for beer. H-E-B Specs, Twin Liquors, Total Wine, Randall's, wherever you buy your six-packs, you can find Altstadt. It's brewed in Fredericksburg, right in the heart of the beautiful Central Texas Hill Country. They've got a bunch of different brews, too. Something for every beer drinker out there, including the Altstadt Light. Sacrifices on calories, but does not sacrifice on taste. The perfect beer to keep you in shape throughout these red-hot summer months all across the Lone Star State. Get you some. It is the official beer of Texas Sports Unfiltered. It should be the official beer of you as well. It's Old Stat Beer. No impurities, no regrets. And Bucky, I'm back in Austin. I do have a better chair now, but I still don't have a relaxed the back chair. I still need to get with our guy Jason Caldwell for that hookup. But you've got your relaxed the back chair, and it's done wonders for you. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I've had a – this is a – for some odd reason, it feels like a bad weekend for me. And I, I didn't do enough stretching. Like I did, I did a lot of sitting around because I'm not going outside and doing anything. So I sit, uh, I, when I sit around, I end up sitting on, you know, you sit on your couch with your feet up when I should be in a relaxed back chair, because that thing has given me the kind of comfort that I've always needed. I've looked for comfort for my back for over 20 years now. When I had thoracic back surgery, I had my back totally reconstructed my thoracic back. And then my back has always been a problem. And since I met the folks and Jason, the gang over relax the back, I've gotten the comfort that I needed. I got the healing that I needed. And it doesn't matter where you're sitting around for 15 minutes or two hours like we do. You know what I'm saying? Or if some people are doing five hour shows out there. Oh, my God. I don't know how they could do that. But it's happening in sports radio somewhere if there's sports radio. But listen, relax the back has given me the comfort that I need. Nobody, nobody has given me that kind of comfort. And I love it. They've got all kinds of chairs. As a matter of fact, Trey Elling the third, my doctor, Doc Trey, is going over there relaxed back because he wants to do stuff standing up. I do not. I don't want to be on my feet like that because that would hurt my back. I've got to sit down in a nice chair, and I've got the best chair in the world thanks to the folks that relax the back. Hill Country Gallery across from Whole Foods in Austin and at the Gateway Shopping Center across from the Container Store. Get the relief that the buck gets with relax the back. Yeah, I heard Trey talking about that. He really wants to start doing shows standing up. No, I've been in I've been in chairs, BK, for my back where you can kneel down, kneel down like you're at church. Well, at synagogue, at church. I don't know if you ever get up, but in the Catholic church, we get up, we sit down, we get up, we jump up, we do jumping jacks, we do all that kind of stuff. A lot of that. No, so jumping jacks, do you? No, (laughs) really? You don't do that at all while you're at church? I I I don't do that at temple. I don't know what you people do. Yeah, well, us people. We used to get up. We used to get down. But I don't go. I'm not. I've been going to a church where we just stand up and then we sit in a regular seat, regular chair, like a folding chair and stuff. Hard to do when you got a back like this. But I've been in one of those ones that kneeled, and I I worked that for a while as a coach. As a matter of fact, so I begin the meetings with a kneel down chair. They just just start laughing at me. Hey, get off your knees, coach. Come on. But relax back has all kinds of different chairs, and if you've got a problem, and it doesn't matter whether you're at your office or you've got a home office, you need to be comfortable sitting down. And being comfortable is sitting up straight, not having to turn to the side and do all those movements, not having to do some of the movements that you've been doing with that chair that you stole from the apartment pool that you were at. <laughs> you, need, hopefully you, would, you didn't bring that chair with you, did you? 
No, that chair stayed at the pool. Good. Yeah, I, I, I returned it. Nobody was sitting in it. Nobody wants to be in that thing. No, our folks said relax the bag, do a fantastic job, and you got to be comfortable. But I can't imagine standing for two hours. He wants no. to do the standing thing because he's not going to just stand. He's going to lean on it. That's the that's the part that you need, don't need to do. You're going to stand, but you're eventually you're going to stand, but you're going to start to hedge this way a little bit, or you're going to lean somewhere or another. But I've got. Yeah. Two little armrests, so I can keep my arms straight straight ahead, and the whole works. I feel good. And yeah. I'll tell you, when you have a – let me just say this, folks. When you have a bad back, there is nothing worse because nothing else will – I mean, nothing else works. If, you're, if, you're not, if your back's not working the right way, you know, it's hard. And the thing that has really kept me healthy is the fact that I get to play golf. I was told when I had thoracic back that that's probably the end of your golf. And I was, that's when I said, oh, no, there's no way. I'm playing golf. Yeah. I'm playing golf. So I made sure to get my core work done. And my core work starts with a great chair. Sorry about your Jurassic back, Buck. <laughs> it is awful. Man. All right. Let's uh, let's talk some baseball here. Wait, yeah. Weekend for the two teams in the state of Texas. How about the Rangers and Astros? Well, let's bring in the captain. If we're going to talk baseball. I don't. I, there's one guy who should be show up. Anytime <laughs> you talk baseball, well, I can't do that. I'd have to go like this for the captain to show up. Why are you Let's pointing the camera at your junk, dude? Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> my captain, my captain. That would be Derek Jeter, the captain of the New York Yankees, the pinstripers, 27 world championships. Now, people all over YouTube, they understand about that. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll know about the Astros and the Rangers, but they know what Yankee baseball is. And no, we're not getting Otani. He's not coming. Yeah, and you're not getting number 28 either. You guys suck. Y'all have lost eight in a row. Y'all are like the worst team in baseball right now. The captain can't even save you. Wow. Man, they're a joke this year, man. Tell me about those Astros and, and what happened to the Rangers over the weekend. Dude, rough weekends for both. I mean, big series for both teams at home. And, you know, the Rangers and Astros have been battling it out atop the American League West pretty much throughout the entirety of the season. But now you've got another team that is entering that conversation. That's the Seattle Mariners who went into Houston and swept the Astros at Minute Maid Park over the weekend. And all of a sudden, I think most people, myself included, had kind of left the Mariners for dead, right? Like they won 90 games last year. They made the playoffs last year. They were a trendy pick to make some noise going into this season, but they were just hovering around 500 for the first three months of the year. And everyone's kind of like, okay, I guess it's just not Seattle's year and classic Mariners. They're going to blow it because that's what they do. But as of late, I mean, they've won 21 of their last 28 games, Buck, and they've won six in a row. They obviously just swept the Astros. So right now, the Mariners are only a half game behind the Astros for second place in the American League West, and they're only three games back of first place in the American League West. So what we thought was a two-horse race to win the American League West this year, now all of a sudden you've got a late charge from Seattle. This thing just got way, way more interesting. Now, isn't this what Seattle does? I mean, they, they'll either come out with a flurry and then disappear on you and then try to come back, or they'll come late, and as you said, they'll get – into the playoffs or they'll get close to the playoffs and then they'll just disappear again. But this group's got some bats and they've got the pitching right now. And when Otani comes next year, look out. Cause that's where he's going to end up. Seattle. Yeah. He wants to win. Ichiro will make the call and he'll be there. Oh, okay. One Japanese player is going to call another Japanese player and that's going to get it done. My brother, my brother, my brother, he's going to come to Seattle. Yes. 
That'll do. He wants to be with a winner. He wants to be with a young team. And he's still out there, Northwest area. He can hang out there in the, you know, out in Seattle. Enjoy. If the- he wants, if he wants to join a winner, he's not going to Seattle. You're talking about a franchise that's never been to a World Series, Buck. They ain't a winner. How many of the Rangers won? The Rangers got a lot. Let me let me check the season last time the Rangers won a World Series. Rangers haven't won one. They've at least been there a couple of times. The Mariners haven't even been there, dude. They suck. They're perennial losers. Shohei ain't going there because they got an Asian guy. I mean, there are other Japanese players across Major League Baseball. <laughs> Besides Seattle. It's not Ichiro and Shohei. There have been other Japanese Ichiro's players. Ichiro's making the call. That guy's a Hall of Famer. He's making the call. Shohei's showing up in Seattle. Write that down. What, what, what mark the tape? The 21st? Is this the 21st? It is. Yeah, okay. Mark the yeah. tape. Yeah, call your cousin. Yeah. Your cousin can put some money on that, you know? I bet I can. That's right. I can call up the cousin for a big one in Vegas on that. Yeah, how about, uh, how about David with a very racist comment? Yao Ming told him to come to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, he's playing, playing, David's playing off of mine, huh? Yeah, the Chinese guy, one Asian guy told the other Asian guy to come play there, so he's going to listen to that. He's not going to be in Houston. Shohei's staying in L.A., but he's going to the other L.A. team. That's what I think. I think he's going to the Dodgers, which sucks, but that'd be my guess. I think he likes it on the left coast. The Angels never win. I mean, they've fallen apart since they tried to go all in at the trade deadline this year. They're in fourth place now. They're way out of a playoff spot in the American League. So he's leaving there. If he's smart, he's leaving there. But I think he likes L.A. I don't think he wants to move. I think uh, the Dodgers, and you know they've got money. Uh, they spend like crazy out there in La La Land. I think he's going to end up on the on the Dodgers. But, yeah, I mean, this AOS race is, is fun. And then the Rangers, too. I mean, the Brewers came into Arlington and swept the Rangers. Like, the Brewers are a good team. They're leading the NL Central right now. But – I don't think anybody expected that to happen, right? The Rangers and Astros both getting swept at home. Uh, They both chose bad times to get cold because, yeah, everybody else, namely Seattle, is starting to catch up a little bit. Yeah, this is this is not the time to lose, no, to get swept. Now you can you can lose a series, but you can't. You don't need to be getting swept. Not at home. Not at this time. Not with the race this close. And it just opened up, uh, and the Mariners are joining right in. So this will be it'll be interesting down the stretch here. So. and I I, I'm still looking for the Astros to do what the Astros do right it's a veteran team you know if they and it's not about getting healthy with them because Brantley's not ever playing so you don't have to worry about that he's rehabbing he's been rehabbing for two years I know how long do you rehab I know I know I've been rehabbing so I'd given up on him but uh they're they're saying there's a chance they're saying there's a chance, which would be a huge. Like Brantley, really? And I think before the end of the season and then into the playoffs. But who knows? I mean, every time he's gotten close, there has been some sort of setback. So that'd be a nice shot in the arm for this Astros offense it if they're able be. to get Uncle Mike in there. Good news for the Astros. And I know we're kind of running out of games, right? But I, I still feel like the Astros are going to end up winning the American League West when this thing is all said and done, despite being two and a half games back of the Rangers right now. Um, they've got the easiest remaining schedule of those three ALS teams. The Rangers actually have the hardest. So the Astros have the easiest, then the Mariners, then the uh, then the Rangers. So you'd like to think with the schedule easing up a little bit for the Strohs and the schedule toughening up a little bit for the Rangers, there's your window of opportunity if you're an Astros fan for the team to overcome that deficit and, uh, deficit and find their way atop the American League West once again. But I'll tell you what, with Seattle, 
They play the White Sox over these next few days. The White Sox are one of the worst teams in baseball. So this win streak right now for the Mariners is at six. And you know they're beaming with confidence after going into Houston. They never win in Houston, right? The Astros have owned the Mariners everywhere over the last six or seven years. But especially at Minute Maid Park, like that's been a house of horrors for the uh, for the M's in recent years. They're beaming with confidence after pulling off that sweep. And now they've got three games against one of the worst teams in all of baseball. That win streak might be at nine by the time we get to Wednesday. And this AOS race might be even tighter than it is right now. Yeah, it's just – and for the Rangers, it's just like – just grab them by the shoulders and shake them a little bit. I mean, they've got everything going from, you know, offense to defense. They've got all-star players on their team that just need to wake up a little bit. I don't know what – I don't understand what this lull is about with the Rangers, the Texas Rangers. That used to be the ballpark. This time of year, it's too hot. they got a brand-new ballpark, air conditioning. Put the dome – shut the – shut it up. Let's go. Let's get the air flowing. I don't know what their excuse could be right now because they're healthy right now. They're healthy enough. Yeah. And they score enough runs. Yeah, I mean, the offense struggled over the weekend. Everything struggled. Uh, those games weren't even close. They just, like, looked exhausted in those three games against the crew. So, uh, yeah, they got to figure it out And because Seattle's coming. And once oh, again, yeah. this, this is uh, fun. There's a lot of good baseball storylines as we hit the home stretch here towards the end of August and into September. Obviously, we're excited about football. I'm not going to tell anybody to not not watch football but there's going to be plenty of compelling reasons to uh, keep it locked into the home stretch of the MLB season and obviously the MLB postseason as well because there's going to be a lot of fun this year. Well, yeah, my, and, and my excitement, and we'll talk to Howard at the bottom of the hour, Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network. Yeah. I'm so excited. About, I, I, I think my team that I'm, I'm really trying to keep an eye on is Michigan going to get over the hump. Now, I'm not talking about over the hump because they've won the Big Ten title over the last two years. They're beating the crap out of Ohio State. I mean, do they are they able to keep that going for a third straight year with a pretty salty quarterback coming back? And, and he's played an awful lot of games. And this team, is to me, has really gotten better each year. They haven't got worse. Michigan hasn't taken a step back. This isn't Michigan State we're talking about. We're not talking about Sparty here. We're talking about the Wolverines. And they're not taking any steps back. They really haven't under Harbaugh. They, you know, you would think, okay, so they, they beat Ohio State that first year. They ran the ball down their throats. They were more physical. Were they going to do it in, in, in the second year? Well, they did the exact same thing to them in the second year. Can they get a three-peat on just winning the Big Ten and rolling Ohio State, or is this Ohio State offense just too good? So I, I'm really interested in seeing if Michigan can, and, and can further themselves and, and getting get to the college playoffs and maybe even winning the national championship. Are they good enough to do that? Yeah, they obviously had a tremendous season last year winning the Big Ten, but just an incredibly disappointing loss to TCU yes. in that CFP. That was a hell of a game. My God, that was incredibly entertaining. But, yeah, Michigan was, uh, was a heavy favorite in that Fiesta Bowl, and they just couldn't find a way to get it done. Credit to TCU, credit to Max Duggan, credit to Quentin Johnston. Uh, they had no answers on the defensive side of the ball for that TCU offense. It just felt like – 80-yard touchdown after 80-yard touchdown right. after 80-yard touchdown in that game. But uh, that was Michigan's only loss last season. Like, that's a that's a damn good team with 15 returning starters. And you look at some of the other big dogs in college football. Georgia replacing their quarterback. Alabama replacing their quarterback. Ohio State, you brought them up, replacing their quarterback. Michigan's got their guy coming back in J.J. Yeah. McCarthy. Now, he he's not as good as C.J. Stroud was. He's not as good as Bryce Young was, and he's not as good as what Stetson Bennett was, but he's still a solid player. And he's they can run the football. They had the freshman last year that got hurt, 
is yeah. going to be back healthy. They have two running backs that are coming back to them. You know, this is Ohio State's going to be a decent team. Michigan has maybe the two best running backs in the nation coming back to them, though. Yeah, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Oh, yeah. The names of those cats. Yeah, Corum surprised a lot of people by deciding to return to college, right? Like he could have gone to the NFL. He would have been sure. a top three round draft pick, you would have thought. But even with decided, a bad knee, yes. Yeah, he decided to run it back one more year in college, and that's great news for Michigan. I mean, they got 15 starters back from last year's team, eight on offense and seven on defense, and you said it. That was a really, really good bunch. They averaged 40 points per game offensively last season, and they only gave up about 16 defensively. That's a recipe for success right there. So this is the first time in a long time where Michigan's actually been favored to win the Big Ten. Right? Yeah, like, and, they're, and, and, and they're going to have to overcome an Ohio State defense that returns some pretty good – players on defense and and they're also also their defensive coordinator the guy who's at Oklahoma State now and I believe it'd be his second year at the helm there that's that's going to be when you got the type of players that they can recruit and you got a defensive coordinator like that that's going to be that will be some problems but I think Michigan is going to I I think they're going to come physical again they want to run the ball and as you when you have those two running backs they're not going to be they're not going to be afraid to run the ball at any time and they get big plays off the run game yeah, and the good news for Michigan is they've got the Ohio State game at home this year. Yes. Last game of the season, but it is in Ann Arbor. So uh, that's good news for Michigan. They do have to travel to East Lansing. They also have to travel to Happy Valley to take on your – That's right. Start to bow up a little bit, Penn State. Loser, Penn State Nittany Lions. Speaking of – they're like the Mariners of college football. Those guys never get it done. They're perennial chokers up there in Happy Valley. Come on, not this year. Speaking yeah. of great running backs and a, and a pretty decent quarterback because the other one's now playing in the NFL. That's right. The Big Red is playing NFL football right oh, now. Clifford, the Big Red quarterback. That guy <laughs> sucks. <laughs> yes, indeed. Mm. Let's go, Nittany Lions. Oh, man. All right, we'll get back into the Big Ten talk with uh, Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network coming up at 930. Really, really looking forward to that conversation. I do want to get to some – Big 12 conversation real quick. But before we do that, let's talk about 7-Eleven, Buck. Our guy, Ashish. It's not just the Monterey Oaks location in South Austin, which I'm going to be going to today, by the way, to get me a Slurpee because it's really hot outside. But he's got the uh, the Lake Austin location as well. That is fantastic. Also, the location off Bee Caves, too. Ashish is all over it. And if you need to fuel up for the summer, go see our friends at 7-Eleven. Go to those locations or just go to any 7-Eleven. They're all over the state of Texas. They've got the Slurpees. They've got the Big Gulps. They've got the snacks, the nachos, the pizza, the taquitos, the hot dogs. Seriously, everything to get you through the summer here in the Lone Star State. You can find it there at 7-Eleven. Go say what's up to Ashish and just go get everything you need and download that 7-Eleven app too and cash in on the 7 Rewards program. You'll earn some free stuff if you keep going in there. So many thanks to 7-Eleven for their partnership with us here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. And BK, a lot of folks joining us too very soon. You'll hear about some new sponsors coming up this week. Folks will understand that you and I and the entire entire gang are going to be doing Pre, pre, pre-game shows. That's right. We'll be doing some pre-game shows. We're not going to miss out. We're not going to be sitting back. You know, we love to go to the games, and we'll probably go to the games also. But we're going to have a, a, a pre-game show, and we'll be letting folks know very soon where we will be before the Texas games. And we'll be in this city, and you're going to love where the places that we're going to be too. Yes, I'm excited about that. 
Oh, we've got some big things planned for Texas Sports Unfiltered. You mentioned it live pregame shows. We'll also have postgame shows as well. And you mentioned it remote broadcasts, not just yeah. for pregame, but you know, remote broadcasts throughout the weeks here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Those will be coming soon as well. Big things planned for the channel. And oh, by the way, if you missed the big announcement last week, we've got a new show that launches today. Chip and Zay from 1 to 3, right after Trey and BK. Chip Brown, Zay Collier, 1 to 3, Monday to Friday. It starts today. Super excited about the launch. Met with those guys over the weekend. They've got some big things planned for their first week of shows. Love those guys. Super excited to have them on board. Super excited to get to listen to uh, to those two. That's going to be a fun, entertaining, and informative show. You guys know Chip. Y'all know Zay. You know what they bring to the table. That's going to be a must-watch on YouTube and must-listen on the free Texas Sports Unfiltered app. Okay, Buck, we've got some best bets for the Big 12 Conference going into college football season. My guy Joe Fortenball, a betting insider for ESPN, really, really good dude. He's got a couple of futures that he absolutely loves, and a lot of them have to do with the Longhorns. He's got three future bets that he thinks are best bets for this Texas team here in 2023. Number one, Texas to win the Big 12. You don't get great juice. It's only plus 100, but he's taking that. He also has the over nine and a half wins for Texas this year. It feels like if they're going to win the Big 12, they probably need to get to double-digit wins. Yes, I'm on both. And he also has Texas to make the college football playoff at plus 300. So Joe Fortenball, one of the best betting insiders out there, very bullish on this Longhorn team going into 2023. You said you're in on those first two bets. Are you uh, calling your cousin to put a little sprinkle on the CFP bet too? I can get 300 out of that deal? Plus 300. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if I got them only to lose one game, as you you told me on, on Thursday last week, Dude, if they lose one game, they're in. Yep. No matter when it is, no matter if it's a championship game or if it's late in the season, they're in. You still believe they're in no matter what. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, if they go 11-1 and this year and then win the Big 12 championship, or hell, if they go 12-0 and and lose the Big 12 championship, like either they're way, in. it's one loss, yeah, they're making it to the playoffs. So if you think they're only losing one game this year, then – yeah, you should call your cousin and put some money on the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, right now, the game that I'm looking at is just that second week is Alabama. The rest of the games, I don't, there's nobody in the Big 12 that should be able to beat them. They've got better talent. They should roll on through the Big 12 and play in that Big 12 championship game. You know, I, I know people are saying we've not even talked one bit about uh, Texas OU and these, this OU team. You know why? Because there's nothing to talk about with OU. Hmm. There's not, they've got a weak schedule coming up. They've got one of the weaker schedules in college football, and they weren't very good last year. They didn't finish very good. You know, they started out okay. The middle of the season was lousy, and they finished poorly. So I don't, I don't, I don't see the Texas OU game as being something, but it, it's always something. Sure. Anything can happen. That's, that's, just, that's very similar to a Big 12 championship game. Anything can happen in a championship game. That's a championship game between Texas and OU. Up in up at the Cotton Bowl, so I'm going to still say, but with one loss, BK, if it's late in the season, they still won't they won't get in. Mm. That's the and only we'll, one. That's the only one. I, I just don't see them playing. If they do, I think people will be happy with all my predictions of them winning the Big Twelve and all this other stuff, and them having a breakout season and the quarterback doing fantastic. I just don't see them in the college, which 
Am I hedging my bet on just one loss? Am yeah. I saying two losses or three yeah. losses? You're sort saying, of, you're saying multiple okay. losses. I'm hedging a little bit. That's a little bit of a hedge that there could be two losses. Okay. okay. That's my okay. hedge on a possible two-loss season. Yeah, there that could be two. One be 12 and one to Alabama. Hey, because if I would they take beat Alabama, that. they're not supposed to lose from that point on. Right. Well, they're going to be favored in 11 of 12 games. That's yes. what you would think, right? Obviously, if guys get hurt, knock on wood, or if yes. this team just looks like shit, then okay, maybe they won't be favored during right. game weeks of those 11 games. But the only game right now, if you were making lines going into the season that Texas would be the underdog in, is that game in Tuscaloosa on September 9th. So yes. just on that alone, yeah, saying they should win 11 games, that feels accurate because Vegas is telling you that Texas should win 11 games. The problem is Texas has been favored plenty of times in the past, and they've played down to their competition way too often. So that's you've got to get over that hump of just playing down to your competition because Texas, like you said, they're more talented than any team in the Big 12. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a coach who's in year three. But more importantly, the talent is absolutely there. Uh, Oklahoma's roster is not as good. TCU, Texas Tech, it doesn't matter. Up and down the conference, nobody has the talent, offense, defense, and special teams that Texas has. So, yeah, you want to make the case that they should run the table in the Big 12 this year. I wouldn't blame you. Hell, TCU ran the table last year. They obviously lost the conference title game, but this Texas team is more talented than last year's TCU team. So, like, you you, you should be confident that they've got a chance to do something like that this well, year. Well, I don't know if they're as talented as the TCU team with, with, with Max at quarterback, with the wide receiver who didn't break his hand, with, uh, with the secondary guy that won the Thorpe Award. They, I mean, they had some guys win some awards last year and end up in the NFL. Well, yeah, oh. they played great, but on paper, top to bottom, that roster wasn't as talented as this one. They've had and 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 they played well on defense over the last couple of years. You know, even under Gary Patterson, that defense they send players to the NFL on defense, on the defensive line, at the linebacck position. You know, hell, they they've had cornerbacks that are playing in the NFL right now at TCU, and I. But there's nobody. There's there's no doubt. There's nobody more talented than the Texas Longhorns in this in the Big Twelve Conference this year. None. There are none. You're absolutely right about that. Do they play up to that level? Well, hell, do they coach up to that level? That's the deal. Right. Do they coach up to that level this year? I mean, despite despite saying all of those good things about this Texas roster, I still think this is a nine and three football team. Oh, that's just that's what I expect. That's maybe my my UTSD kicking in, and that would be a disappointing season for a lot of people, right? It it really would. If they're not, to me, it's all disappointing if they're not playing for a championship, at least in that game. Yeah. Nine and three is disappointing to me. Others would say, slow your roll. They're still going in. It's still better than the year before. You're starting to go on a positive note, but that's not positive enough to go to the SEC for me. They no. got to be a championship game. Or, Well, you could get to the championship game at nine and three, right? Like one loss to Bama, two losses in Big 12 play. There's a chance that does, that gets you into Arlington at the end of the year, but – Still, I mean, nine wins, that's a one-win increase from what you had last year. Like, and, and that's below – I always say this, man. Like, Vegas, to me, kind of determines how successful a season is in college football, the NFL, and every sport. Like, if you hit the over, yeah, right. that's a successful season. And the over-under is nine and a half. So, if Texas only wins nine games this year, you can view that as a disappointing season. And I think a lot of people would, and I think a lot of people should. I would view that as a disappointing season. I, I, just, I do that's also. My, that's my prediction. Like, that's what I think the Longhorns are going to do this year. I think that'll be good enough to get them to the conference title game. But uh, And look, if they win it, that's 10 wins. 
that is a Big 12 championship. So I think most people would maybe change their tune a little bit. But uh, a nine-win regular season, I think, would be underwhelming for for a lot of folks out there. With All right, just- I'm, hedge- I'm hedging that bet. Yes, I am. So you're you're taking you're not going CFP this year. No, I am not. I'm going okay. Big Twelve Championship though. Okay, so two losses and then a birth. I didn't in the Big say two title. losses. I said one, and I'm a hedge one somewhere. Yeah, Come on now, you can't you can't do that. You're betting on both sides here. I mean, I guess you could. You could bet, bet ever. You could bet on Texas making the college football playoff, and you could bet on Texas missing the college football playoff. You're going to lose money on that shit, but you know, be my guest. I'll take those bets for you if you want. You'll take you'll take the juice, huh? I got you. I okay. got you. One uh, one more Big Twelve best bet from Joe Fortenball over there at ESPN. He likes Oklahoma State over six and a half wins this year, and he's got them as a super long shot. This sounds just like a little bit of a sprinkle bet. But he's got Oklahoma State at plus twenty eight hundred to win the Big Twelve as his dark horse contender. What do you think about the Mike Gundy's bunch this year? No, I, I think Mike Gundy. If there's a game that'll be on TV, a big game, he'll lose. He won't lose. There'll be a nationally televised game that Gundy will lose. They'll find a way to lose the game. No, big game losers. That's I hear. I hear you. You and Coach Gundy get together to watch OAN. Is that true? No, we have not watched that whatsoever together. Uh, no, he's I, I not saw. winning. He's not winning anything. He doesn't have. He doesn't have that sparkling running back, and he doesn't have that. I mean, unless he's found a twelfth year quarterback, you know, he generally does. He'll find somebody coming in their twelfth year to play. Well, he's got. He's got that kid Alan Bowman from Texas Tech who got hurt every year, but it, it's felt like he's Remember, been in college. He's part for- of the Texas Tech quarterback clan which they all get hurt. Yep. They'll be looking for another quarterback in game number four at Texas Tech too, Joey McGuire, because it happens at Texas Tech. It's just the way it rolls. And and Bowman was at Michigan the last couple of years too. He was at Tech, then he was at Michigan, and now he's at his third school, and he's expected to start for them this year. But, wow. yeah, I don't know what to expect from that dude or, or for that team. No. We've got one comment from uh, my buddy Tanner here. Pokes are going to be cheeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm buying that for sure. Yeah, yeah Tanner is a, an OU guy, so uh, no surprise that he's dunking on the pokes. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, Gundy's weird, right? You never want to count out a Mike Gundy team because it does feel like he gets more out of less every single season. And it does kind of feel like the years where you're not expecting much from Oklahoma State, they actually perform pretty well. And the no, years that, you are expecting yeah, dude, them to play well. Out of less this year. Yeah, but I, I don't have good. a whole – whole lot of faith in uh in that crew or that bunch this year i don't know six and a half wins though you think they can get over that yeah they may get to seven wins i can see them win the seven is that your phone going off over there that's howard g trying to get to you probably oh no that's not good or you get to him you can get to him yeah i'll, I'll text him that's not good that he doesn't know what he's doing uh-oh i don't know i don't know all right so if it's not oklahoma state if it's not Texas, if it's not Oklahoma State, who else would you put some money on? If you're if you're betting on some other school to uh, to win the Big Twelve title this year, and Texas, of course, is the favorite. Uh, plus one hundred is kind of where I'm seeing their odds at right now. You you can get better odds in some places. Some places are offering you worse odds right now. Oklahoma still number two, followed by K State, Texas Tech, and TCU. Where I, I see K State, man. Like K-State to me, it feels like you're getting some good value with them. And I, I feel like if Kansas State had the brand name that Texas uh-huh. and Oklahoma have, 
they wouldn't be getting these great odds to win the Big 12. And I think more people would be picking them to win this conference. I think folks in the Big 12 know how good K-State is, right? They're just like perennially there. And they're just like an annoying mosquito just flying around you. You just can't get rid of it. Like they're, they're good. They're always in the mix every single year. They've got some talent. They've got some experience. They've got a really, really good coach in uh, in Chris Kleiman too. Like if if you put K State situation in Norman, Oklahoma, or in Austin, Texas, I think there'd be a lot more people around the country uh, picking them and betting on them to win the Big Twelve Conference this year. So you don't feel good, and you don't feel good about Joy McGuire getting it done in year two at Texas Tech because his his group is the group that may be on the rise. But once again. They feel very confident about their defense, even losing their first-round draft choice. They think that they still have a, 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 a defense, BK, that's going to be really, really good and really, really solid. They think they may even be better than last year's defense. I don't know how you're better than last year's defense when you lose that big monster out there at end. I don't – how can you be better? But he tends to think that they're still going to be pretty good on the defensive line because they'll have a bunch of, you know, fifth, sixth-year seniors on that defensive line playing – I'm not. I'm not buying. I'm not buying Joey McGuire. I'm still of the thought that that um, that the Baylor Bears late in the season will have something to say about this. You know, this Big Twelve race. I think yeah. they will. I think they'll. I think they'll have something to say about. It. And hell, I don't even. I'm afraid to leave Kansas out with their quarterback. Yeah, he's an offensive player of the year. Come on, man. You shouldn't be afraid to leave Kansas out. They're not. They're not winning the Big Twelve. I, I hope they can make a bowl game again this year. I know they made one last year and surprised everybody. They were one of the best stories in college football in 2022. I just hope they don't take a massive, massive step back. They're not taking that massive step forward where all of a sudden they're going to be competing for a conference championship. They're not there he's yet. Quarterback coming back. Who is- I know. Oh, he's, he's good. They've, they've got like more returning talent than anybody in the country. Like I think Phil Steele literally has Kansas as like his number one team in return in terms of returning production. So they've got a lot of guys back. Like they, they should be – you know, about as good, maybe even a little better than what they were last year. But yep. I'm still, you know, I'm so accustomed to Kansas being awful at football that I'm going to assume that now they're not going to just have this great linear progression to where all of a sudden they're going to be winning eight or nine games this season. I think they're more likely to win four or five than they are eight or nine, truth be told. Well, I'll just say this. I'll Being, being realistic, if Texas were nine and three, I should be – excited about it, but I will not be excited about a nine and three season with this group. I really won't. I, and I'm not going to say it's because, well, look at the big 12. They don't have quarterbacks. They don't have this. They don't have that. This group is just talented enough that they should win all the games in the big 12. Agreed. They just, got, they, just should, they just should. We've got your guy. You want to bring on our, our next guest? Yeah, here man. He is unfiltered. A number one of my, another one of my babies. <laughs> oh man. Now he's not a baby anymore. He is an author. He is a two-time Super Bowl champ. He scored eight touchdowns in a single football game. <laughs> He's a graduate of the University of Illinois, and he is now part of the Big Ten Network, Howard Griffith. Griff, what's going on, buddy? Not too much. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing fantastic, man. You yeah. doing? You, how's your travels been all over the Big Ten? Man, it was 14 oh. schools in 16 days. It was crazy, but... Um, Looking forward to next year, too. Got four extra schools. <laughs> Figure out how we ask. get that done. <laughs> yeah, are they going to make you do the uh, eight-team team tour yeah. next year? I certainly hope so. I'm, I'm trying to hang on as long as I can so I can get to 18. So it should be pretty exciting, obviously, with the uh, West Coast teams coming aboard. But there's a lot of excitement right now in the conference uh, with the teams that we have right now. It should be a fun race, particularly in the East. 
You know, Griff, let's talk about some of the there's – there's a whole lot of positives going on in the Big Ten, and especially that TV contract with all that money. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and which puts more money in your pocket. I don't – it doesn't yeah. work that way. I wish it did. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it did. In your pocket. But tell me some of the crazy things. You know, we talked about Northwestern and the ridiculousness of, yeah. of what went on there. And now Iowa. Yeah. And and and, and sports gambling with, with, with these players. I, I don't know where they thought they were going to go with this. And I guess the kids thought they were going to get rich and – you know, NIL, they've got all kinds of NIL things going. Now they're now they're into to gambling on their own games. Yeah. How crazy is that? I mean, have you, you have you been out there to there? Have you been to Iowa? I have. We we've been out to Iowa. And um I think one of the things we can look at, right? It, it's interesting to me that Iowa, the, the Iowa schools were the only ones that are caught up in this deal. I think uh if you really want to know the truth, it's probably a gambling going on all over the place. Yep. It's really, it's not illegal, but um, so kids are, are doing things. I, I don't, obviously don't think they should be betting on their own games, but I mean, right now, who's, who's not throwing a friendly wager down uh, when it comes to the NBA or, or college or, or rather uh, NFL. So it, it's so much going on right now. And you're right. NIL is putting money uh, in guys' pockets, but I think kids just have to continue to be be smart and, and try to figure out what they're what they need to be doing and what they don't need to be doing. Yeah, it's crazy. That was obviously a big offseason storyline, Griff. Yeah. Also, what was going on at Northwestern? I mean, the Big Ten was making a ton of news, right? The good news with the conference realignment and adding some big-name brands from the left yeah. coast, but obviously some bad news there. I know you've been talking about it on the Big Ten Network, but I'd love mm-hmm. to get your thoughts on just the way everything unfolded at Northwestern. And and, and it's still unfolding. That's the that's the uh, scary part of this Um uh, you know, listen, I, there's no place in, in, in athletics for hazing at all, and, you know, in society for, for that matter. But, you know, what? one of the things that's tough, let me get this out here really quick. One of the things that's tough is I don't think there's anything wrong with carrying some shoulder pads and grabbing water and things like that. But remember, that's going to be that's still considered hazing. Um, but but what went on in Northwestern and the reports that we're seeing and have been able to read, I mean, this is beyond um, – <laughs> Hazing. This is, yeah. you know, these, depending upon who you talk to, are crimes. So um, it's something that uh, really has tarnished uh, Northwestern. It's going to be fascinating to see if this team is even going to be able to, you know, mustered up the strength to be able to go out there and compete. You know, I know it'll be it'll be easy for them early because, you know, kids will come together and have, it's us against the world type situation. Uh, but it's going to be interesting just to see what happens if um, things don't work out well for them. If they get ran out of the, the gym, so to speak, in the first game, do, do guys want to continue to fight? Um, and you have to remember, the coaches coaches are in this thing, too, uh, when you think about it, because uh, they don't necessarily know what the future you know lays lies for them coming to next year. So I'm sure that's kind of difficult uh, to be able to coach in that situation and obviously playing in this situation. And it seems like every week something more, some more details or more lawsuits are filed. And it's just going to be one of those things that it's going to be a while before uh, I think we get to the end of this and there's some resolution. You know, Pat Fitzgerald Griff was, I mean, this is not a guy who's been around for a couple of years yeah. around Northwestern, Northwestern football. This is a, this is a guy who, who played there, was an assistant coach there, was then became the head coach there. He had 20, almost 30 years yeah. of service to Northwestern University. So he, it's not just when you say his name there, it's just not talking about another guy when you're yeah. talking about that football program because 
they they you know they went through they were one of the worst programs besides K State in the nation mm-hmm. for a long long time. This guy built him into a unbelievable competitor. They're sending players to the NFL year in yeah. year out now, and so it's not just another guy when you talk about hazing. So he's he's been well respected for a long long time at Northwestern. Yeah, president of uh, a couple of coaching committees. Um, you know, twenty six years he's had of service as a player, as a coach at Northwestern. And I don't know if there's anyone, if there's been anyone really in college athletics that meant so much, not just for uh, the football program, but also the the university. You start thinking about Pat Fitzgerald and what he meant to that place. You know, growing up here in the Chicagoland area, going to Northwestern, playing really well at a high level, uh, and then all of a sudden becoming the coach. And, you know, it's for this to happen the way it did is it's unfortunate, but you know, it's like anything. I think when, you know, when we talk about coaches, uh, you have to know everything that's going on in your building. And I know it's tough to say, you know, it's 120 plus, you know, kids in your program, but you got to know what's going on in your business, in your building. And, and that's a part of it. And you, yes, you can't physically be everywhere, but you definitely have people who should have known and should have informed you about what was taking place in your building. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I have a hard time believing he didn't know, yeah. right? Like he, <laughs> he he had to know what was going on if uh, it was going on for as long as it was apparently going on yeah. down there. I mean, you talk about the, the Athletic did a piece that, you know, it, it's, this thing goes back, you know, 25, 30 years maybe. So, yeah. um, and I'm sure it wasn't to the degree that's being written about right now, but still. I mean, you got to be able to take care of your your own backyard and make sure that, you know, you're taking care of uh, these student athletes to come to campus because it's, it's I, I know most people will say, well, you know, well, you should have said something. You shouldn't allow that to happen. And what, what I have told people is like, you just don't understand the team concept. You don't you don't it's frowned upon when you're going to talk to people about things that you're uncomfortable with. Um, you you want your you end up being ostracized by your teammates uh, if you go to you know to to the coaches and talk about different things and and none of these young people want to be put in that situation where you either lose playing time or you lose your scholarship. You know, these young people chose Northwestern for a reason. Uh, it wasn't just football; it's the academic side of it as well. So yeah. they didn't want to lose that. So listen, I, I think this is going to be a while before we get to the bottom of this, but it's going to be something that uh, it's going to keep making news. It almost seems like weekly something new is coming out. Griff, uh, you know, for the rest of the Big Ten and everything that's going on, Michigan, I, I, I just talked to BK about, I thought Michigan is going to be a team that I'm going to really, really look at really closely this yeah. year. You know, they've, they've dominated the Big Ten over the last two years. You know, it's always Ohio State will beat Michigan. Ohio State will beat mm-hmm. Michigan. The last two years they have not. They've been out physical. Uh, Michigan returns their quarterback. They return two great running backs. Mm-hmm. And a whole bunch of talent, big dudes <laughs> that can run and can play. This is not yeah. the old Michigan teams where they just line it up and roll you mm-hmm. like they used to do when we used to play against. Yeah, them. this this Illinois, team right now, yeah. Michigan. I mean, this yeah, this is, Michigan team is 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 pretty special. Uh, you think about this. You talk about controlling the line of scrimmage. This is the second year. Well, last year was the second year in a row they won the Joe Morrow Award for the best offensive line uh, in college football. And you know, I, I know there are a lot of people on a lot of awards committees uh, that are out there that may just mail stuff in. This committee studies tape like nobody's business. Uh, so they know exactly what's going on uh, when they start talking about the offensive line. And, you know, when we were there um, a few days ago, 
which seems like a few days, probably last week. <laughs> Depending upon who you ask, this may be their best offensive line. Wow. wow. <laughs> and that's how, you know, that's how talented uh, the program is. And they've done an unbelievable job of, uh, you know, coaching these guys up. Sharon Moore is, is the offense coordinator also is the offensive line coach, which is you know really unheard of. You don't see a lot of that around college athletics where an offensive line coach is also calling plays, but he's been able to do that. And there was no drop off um, from his players uh, play. And you talk about the back JJ uh, McCarthy. I think his, his game has gone to the next level. Some of the throws that he can make right now, um, he's going to be dangerous. So you talk about Michigan. I mean, if you, after the tour, I have them rated Michigan one, Penn state two, Ohio state number three, which I'm sure will shock a lot of people. But this Penn state team, is finally, uh, I think the, the offensive line has finally caught up to the rest of the team. They've got about three NFL players on that offensive line, don't they? Don't they have some yeah. really talented guys? That can really yeah, they, yeah, they talk. They got a guy at left tackle who should have been a first. If he came out last year, he would have been a first rounder. Now you're talking about a guy that could be a top five, top ten pick uh, this year. So it's taken James Franklin about ten years to get this offensive <laughs> line. And, and but <laughs> this is the truth. I mean, going back to to Bill O'Brien before that. He didn't have it figured out. And honestly, Joe Paterno didn't have it figured out either. You know, they, they would have some here and there. But really, when, I mean, when he was coaching, the first time we started watching that team, it just looked like a bunch of guards uh, that were out there playing. They're all the same height, couldn't really distinguish them now. Uh, with Franklin fast forward and has really done a really good job recruiting and, and finally has an offensive line that I think is going to give them an opportunity, uh, obviously, from my perspective, to compete compete for the uh, Eastern Division uh, Championship. Well, they finally got rid of that god-awful quarterback who was there for 10 years. <laughs> right, Griff? I mean, I, I, I know you can't say anything bad about him. I'll say something bad about him. But while I say something bad about Clifford, I will promote Drew Aller. I mean, I, I love this Man. kid coming out of high school. He played a little bit last year and looked pretty good. I think Penn State fans, you know, usually you lose a quarterback and it's yeah. like, ah, oh, we might take a step back. Yeah. I feel like they think the ceiling is even higher with this kid. Yeah, here's the scary part. It is higher. It definitely is higher with him. Uh, he just he can make all the throws. He's big. He's physical. He can run if he needs to. Uh, but he's a pocket guy that, that can throw the ball all over the park. And you talked about him getting some playing time. It wasn't just mop-up duty um, last year. He got a lot of significant playing time, had to start on the road as well. So the sky is the limit for this team. It's about them being able to execute, right, be able to finally make that jump. And, and you talk about the talented backfield that they have. They'll argue uh, that their their backfield is better than – than any backfield in the country. And, you know, I was there interviewing those guys, and um, <laughs> I said, okay, you got to have a nickname. What's the nickname? <laughs> and the nickname was <laughs> Gatorade and Fat Boy because I said I'm tired of this thunder and lightning <laughs> stuff. And they said, well, okay, it's Gatorade and Fat Boy. That's our name. And I, and I should have had a follow-up. To which one is Fat Boy? Oh my goodness! Alone. <laughs> they are. They are. That is a group, Howard. That is strong, physical. And they, yeah. They've got speed. And boy, can they make you miss? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and playing, they love playing you on the grass because they don't. They don't mind up there at Happy Valley on no. the on the grass field. They slide and slip around. And boy, they're both over a thousand yard rushers. I'm really surprised that that those kids stayed. That many kids at running back stayed at school. Mm -hmm. I thought somebody was leaving the place. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think now, uh, next year, they'll probably <laughs> be some guys jumping. But, you know, it, it's just they've had talented backs before. Um, they talk about Saquon Barkley, a talented back, right? And 
but they still couldn't run the ball. I mean, they right. would make huge plays, but they couldn't run it when they wanted to run it. And um, last year they were they were starting to turn the corner and had gotten there, uh, and now we're much better. So I think that's one reason you know people are so excited uh, about this Penn State team, and, and I am too, quite frankly, um, to think that they have a chance to to win the East. Yeah, Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network joining us here on Bucky and BK. A couple more for you, Griff. Uh, you brought up Ohio State. You have them third in the uh, yeah. the Big Ten East this year. Yeah. It, it, you know, they're replacing a great quarterback in C.J. <laughs> Stroud. Any updates on the quarterback competition there? And also, you know, what what do you think this Ohio State team is going to do this season? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that they've made an announcement yet. And I think it's one of those things where they may ultimately, you know, get up to week one and and, and still trying to figure it out. But I will say this. Um, the reason I have them third is just, you know, I mentioned the Joe Mora uh, offensive line competition each year. Mm-hmm. Ohio State hasn't been a finalist. They haven't, you know, they haven't been in the mix. And, you know, they're, they're big, they're athletic, they're really talented up front. Um, Coach Fry, who, uh, you know, Bucky spent some time at um, Boston College uh, as a coach, is really a, a really talented coach, but for whatever reason, haven't, been able to to make that transition and I'm starting to wonder is it the way they play the game spread things out uh, do a lot of spread uh, they want to get the ball out on the flank in space quickly has that slowed the growth of this offensive line I don't I don't know um, but you're looking for different reasons to why but as, as talented as they are up front um, athletically they should be so much better and for whatever reason have not gotten back to you know, what they needed to do. And that's control the line of scrimmage. When we talk about being shoved around like Michigan did, uh, one of the things they did. But, you know, they were a play away from playing in a championship last year as well. So yeah. after being, you know, bounced by Michigan. So the talent is there. I mean, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, that dude could sit at home and eat hot dogs for the entire season and still, you know, be a top three, four, five pick in, in this year's <laughs> NFL draft. So, the talent is there. The wide receiver room is loaded. Their backs are loaded. Um, the other side of it, the defensive side, you know, they've been giving up big plays. Um, yeah. And uh, Coach Knowles has got to make some adjustments to that defense so that they're not giving up big plays. He's, you know, he's used to being in a system where, you know, you could give up those big plays because your offense was going to be able to uh, be able to execute as well. So I think you could take more challenges at his stop before he got to Ohio State. But you know, he's got to start calling the game a little bit differently, and I, I think he'll do that. But, again, it's so much talent. The recruiting, you know, I know some people say recruiting rankings don't matter, but when you look at <laughs> what the talent that they have and you look at the rankings, a lot of times it, it matches up really well for them. You know, Griff, uh, you know, three years ago we were talking about Michigan State. Now, I'm not saying it's the downfall of Michigan State, but mm-hmm. it's not – it doesn't seem like they can still keep up with the recruiting – of Ohio State or Michigan now. Yeah. Michigan is getting the kind of talented athletes now, you know, not just strong athletes, mm-hmm. but guys a wide receiver, skilled position linebackers yeah. that can run. You know, what is going on at, at Michigan? What's going on at East Lansing? What, what has happened to the program over the last three years? You, you know, I, th- I think one of the things that happened, um, they had so much success early, right, under Tucker, and uh, you know, they're trying to recapture that. Now, it's a physical football team. I like this football team. But when you talk about being able to stockpile talent, even if 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 the other four, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are all maximizing their resources, mm-hmm. Michigan State is still number four. You know, and now they're getting pushed by Maryland. 
uh, wow. that, that's going to be right there as well, who's doing an unbelievable job, uh, Mike Loxley. So it's tough, man. It, it's tough. you got to find out where your niche is to go get those players because they're going to be in a lot of recruiting battles. Um, but the problem is if you get in a recruiting battle for this four, this five-star kid, and you put a lot of effort into it, you may have missed the three or the four-star that, that was sitting right there that may have wanted to, to come to the program. So mm. I think they've been using the portal, done a really nice job using the portal um, to, to get the players in that they need. But it's just it's tough right now. You know, they've got a, they've got a quarterback battle themselves going on. And if there's really no uh, – there's been no clarity to that, early to last week when we saw them so another one of those teams that sure you can you can uh you got a talent on that team but if you don't have the quarterback if you're not sure if that guy doesn't step to the forefront you know it's kind of a struggle because if, if you look around I mean particularly over in the west there are not that many returning starters but if you've got a quarterback that's going to give you every opportunity in the world and I think that's why I, you know I mentioned Maryland is, is right there because uh he, they've got a talented guy Offensive line is going to be young and inexperienced, so that may slow them about a look down a little bit at Maryland. But uh, Michigan State's got to keep plugging away, and, and the way they play the game, you know, it's physical, but they just can't have the turnovers that they had last year. Yeah. Last thing for me, Griff, before we let you go, really do appreciate your time this morning. Uh, look, we don't talk much about the Big Ten West, yeah. right? All, all, all the star teams and all the star powers yeah. in the East, but. You do have two new coaches in that side of the Big Ten with Luke Fickle taking over at Wisconsin yeah. and obviously Matt Rule trying to wake up Nebraska after yeah. the Scott Frost experiment failed miserably. Yeah. Your thoughts on uh, where those two programs are right now? Yeah, and you got Ryan Walters taking over at um, at Purdue as well. Yes, yes. Uh, we saw Matt Rule early, saw his program. Um, I, I think they've, they've been in the portal a lot um, to try to overturn that, that roster and, and really trying to instill discipline into that team. Uh, you know, everybody thought Scott Frost was going to be the perfect, perfect guy for Nebraska. And, it, and it, that thing went south really quickly. Um, but Matt Rule is, you know, he's had unbelievable success at Baylor, unbelievable success at, at Temple where he's built programs. So I think that's where Nebraska is looking to to really take that next step to, to get back to where, you know, they that program should be. And it's been a long time since they've been competing for a championship. So Coach Rule has a, a lot to, a lot of work to get done there. Um, you talk about Luke Fickle. There's so much excitement. We just left uh, there yesterday, I guess, or Saturday we saw them. And, you know, I was wondering, you know, what it was going to look like. But, jeez, they've got one of the best backs in, in college football and uh, Allen. So I, I think that they've got some opportunities there. They've got gone into the portal for the wide receiver position. Uh, and started to get some guys in there. So it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. Some people thought that they may make a switch to a 4-3 defense instead of the 3-4 that they've been having so much success with uh, really until last year. They struggled a little bit. But they're going to stay with this 3-4. Um, it looks like because that's what their personnel kind of dictate that they need to do. They've got so much talent at the linebacker position that can run and, and rush the passer. So you know, it's a lot of energy. It's a different feel uh, around that program. There's not any disrespect to, to Paul Chris, who was uh, an unbelievable offensive mind, but the way they wanted to, to play the game and the way they wanted to recruit was not the way things are happening around college athletics right now. And, and you have to be in the mix of it. You know, these back offices, you know, it, it may be 50, 60 people on a, on a staff and, 
you know, the Badgers have never been the type of program that had a, a big back office. But, you know, that's all changing now under Luke Fickle. You know, Griff, before I let you go quickly about Paul Chris, he's joined the Texas staff, you mm -hmm. know, as one of the special assistants. Is he going to help this run game? I mean, the power run game? Because they want to do that. Bijan Robinson's gone. Yeah. That's a guy who can make two guys miss in the hole. Mm -hmm. They want to get on people. They want to double team at the point of attack and double team guys and, and get downhill. Is this is this a coach that that is is going to be special for University of Texas? Well, I, I think you know you can make the argument that he was trying to implement some different things at at uh, Wisconsin, and it, it just didn't go that way. I think here's what he brings. I mean, he's a he's an unbelievable football mind. I think when these coaches go into other programs, as much as it is to prepare, help prepare uh, the program for upcoming opponents, and maybe mm -hmm. put different systems in. But they they come in and they're looking at the program uh, with fresh eyes. So he can come in and say, hey, listen, maybe we need to do maybe you want to think about doing more of this to to get this offense and defensive line more competitive. I, I think it's just a matter of coming in with those fresh eyes. Sure. And if it's a mind that you respect, then, you know, they're going to be able to jump in and, and be able to have some positive things to say. And I think when you look around and you see some of these veteran coaches who become special assistants other places, that's the value that they bring. I, I think, you know, the offense and defensive schemes are are important, but they're in place for a reason. So those guys don't come in and change the change the scheme. They come in and, and give it a fresh set of eyes. And and maybe it's a way you practice. Maybe it's right. moving some different things around in your day as you prepare. But I think those are where you get some of the. Uh, some of the ideas and where those special assistants, you know, can help. Illinois brought in Jim Leonard, who was in Wisconsin, who yeah. had an unbelievable, you know, defensive uh, as a defense coordinator right. there and unbelievable uh, professional career too. And and I tell you, a lot of pro a lot of pro teams were courting this guy. He just wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And he, you know, he played for Coach Bielema, and he's going to spend, I think, uh, Sunday to Thursday working with the team, and then he goes back home and hang, hangs out with the family. Nice. Not a bad setup there. Howard, yeah. you're the best, man. We really, really appreciate you jumping on with us. Excited for college football and uh, excited to watch you on the Big Ten Network all year. Hey, keep I'm watching excited. us, Griff. you got to keep watching us now. Let me, let me just tell you. I know I do. I, I'm going to tell you what. So I watched you guys the other day, well, your Ricky Williams deal. Yeah. And to me, and this is just me, I mean – I hadn't seen Ricky Williams that relaxed in an interview situation. He looked like he was really having fun. I thought you guys did an unbelievable job uh, of giving, getting the information from him. And he wanted to tell a lot of stories. So he did. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, I really thought that was an outstanding um, job by you guys interviewing. And obviously, Ricky is, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, at the collegiate level and you talk about his pro career he's done some great things at that level too and just a um really a a, a a interesting figure when you when you talk about you know athletics and you know football and just i know he had all these other interests and different things like that but it, it was really uh fun to listen to him uh really talk football and talk about his career with you guys Thank you, yeah. Griff. Thank you so much. Because yeah. he's still a, he's a, still a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but he's your weirdo. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. Thank you for those kind words, Griff. Yeah. Hey, he never he never scored eight touchdowns in the game, though. <laughs> this is no, true. That's right. <laughs> this is true. Griff, all right, guys. Have a great one. Take care, buddy. All right. You're the man. You're the man. There he goes. The great Howard Griffith from the Big Ten Network. Nice enough to join us for almost half an hour talking all things 
college football. We're coming up on the end of our show. Got to give some love to a few more yeah. sponsors. Of course, Woods Comfort Systems, Buck. You've got that Woods brother. Comfort Systems AC unit in your place, and it keeps you cool all year round. Yeah, I mean, now for over 60 years, they've been getting it done. And and the guys over there, you know, I, I, I love them. When, 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 it, when you have to have something done, all you do is make that call. They get there quick, and they get the, the service is absolutely fantastic. And they're a part of what we do. They're a part of Lake Travis Football, Woods Comfort Center. And I love Travis and the gang over there. They're magnificent. And thank those guys so much for joining us. And you'll appreciate it, believe me. If your air conditioner goes out right now, You'll appreciate that phone call that you've made to Woods Comfort Center. Yeah, absolutely. WoodsComfortSystems.com is the website, and they will take care of you. HVAC and plumbing services. Nobody in Central Texas does it better than Woods Comfort Systems. And also a shout-out to our friends at Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. Yeah, if you've got uh, anything you need to get done at home, at work, and you need equipment to make it happen, go see our friends at Top Gun Lawn and, uh, lawn and rental equipment. They are the very best in the business. They've got the biggest selection of all of the biggest brands. Our buddy Brandon Mars over there does a fantastic job. They've been in business since 1996, and they will help you get whatever you need done as soon as possible. Two Austin area locations, one up north in Anderson Square and one down south on South First Street. Topgun.net. We will shoot you straight. All right, Buck. Great show today, man. That was fun. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have Howard. Good to hear him talk. We'll get him next time we talk with him. We'll do the same with him about Ricky, about the running backs and how they're getting paid these days in the NFL. He's played in the NFL with two Super Bowl rings as the blocking back for Terrell Davis. we got to ask him that question. We'll get to him again soon and talk some Big Ten football, too. BK, I will see you bright and early again tomorrow morning. Not bright and early. Yeah, we'll do that 6 a.m. thing. Well, I'm used to afternoon drive, so to me, this is bright as hell yes, and early yeah, as hell. Is. But, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back for the rest of the week. A reminder, Trey and BK coming up from 12 to 1, and then Chip and Zay, the debut episode, coming up from 1 to 3. Like this video, please, if you haven't done it yet, and subscribe to the channel so you always know when we're dropping new content. Buck, you're the man. I'll talk to you tomorrow. See you. Hook them. Hook them horns.